What's a Mormon yeah, prayer? Like, what do you guys say when you read prayer? Do you have an intro uh, that's specific to you? Oh, no, we typically don't have anything that's memorized other than that there's a couple, like, ceremonial prayers, but generally, just kind of, you just wing it. That's, I find that weird. Like, the newer the religion, it seems the less organized the prayer, you know? Like, Jews, Catholics, Arabs, they all have real specific prayer roots, but you'll get a Baptist or a fucking Mormon or, oh, God, a, a Lutheran. Those are the worst. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think, um, this my perspective is, you try the, the reason behind that is saying is, like, you want to make sure that your prayer comes from the heart, not just from a script. So if you're going to say a prayer, then you better don't have something memorized and think that you're going to get some sort of an answer or blessings or whatever out of it. So am I not the first person, I mean, obviously, I'm not, so I'm not the first person to have thought that then, though, to have realized... Religions are getting lazier with their prayer techniques. <laughs> um, I uh, I would refute the I guess the laziness uh, claim. Whereas, is it easier to just memorize a prayer, or is it or is it um, to I guess speak from the heart or from the emotion? Is I, it, I guess that would depend on the person, because some actors say they'd rather read from a script, and some actors would rather do improv. So I imagine it's the same with praying, and you get like a mix of both. Religious believers to actors think yeah. that we're acting? No, what I'm saying is that some people prefer improving it, and some people prefer a script. And whether it's acting or something you truly believe... I mean, okay, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of presidents want to memorize a script, and then a lot of them want to go off the cuff like Donald Trump. Is that is that analogy offend you less? <laughs> yes, much less. I'd much rather be compared to a politician than an actor. Like, I guess for me is if I'm going to say a prayer, and if I'm wanting an answer to a prayer or a question or get some help, I'd rather, and, and I'm dealing with an issue that's going on today, I'd rather pray about that issue versus saying, okay, I guess I've got to say like a Hail Mary, which has nothing to do with the actual problem or answers that I'm looking for, say something that has nothing to do with what I'm dealing with. I'd rather pray and ask questions and meditate and ponder upon those things that are relevant to me versus just something that was, um, you know, put into motion a thousand years ago and that same prayer is supposed to somehow help me out today. Do, are you saying that they don't have any sort of individual prayer style? Like they do their Hail Marys and then that's it? There's no more asking God for something specific? It's not Hail Mary, Hail Mary. By the way, I could really stand it if my engine didn't blow till I can afford that oil change in a few weeks, Hail Mary. They don't do that. I don't know. I'm not Catholic. I don't think so. Um, and I'm definitely not an expert on the, uh, the Catholic norms and their traditions and what they follow, but it's my understanding that there's a number of prayers, like, for instance, if you go to confession, at least traditionally, this could have changed, and how it's depicted is you go to confession, you say, yeah, you know, I, uh, I grab some girl's boobs and I feel bad about it, and uh, the father will say, okay, well, Go say five Marys and you'll be good to go. Do you think you have to do more Hail Marys the bigger the cup size? <laughs> um, 
Maybe you just have to say it with more meaning. Like the bigger the tit, the bigger the sin. I'll have to talk to my Catholic buddies about that and find out. I'll do some research. <clears throat> I'm recording though. If you want to like give a half-assed intro and then to start this thing off. Oh, um, yeah, well, we're here with myself, Trevor Heaney, and Brian Zeldin, and uh, we decided that today we're going to tackle all things religion. And uh, Brian and myself, for as a little bit of a background, I uh, I would consider myself to be an active, devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Most people know us as Mormons or the LDS Church. And uh, Brian himself, I believe, is just um, just a lost soul searching for truth wherever he may find it. And so we're going to try to uh, find figure lost, out. I find lost soul like is a little denigrating tone to it. Are you, did you get offended by that? I wouldn't say offended, but I was just noting that it sounded a little denigrating. Like, oh, my soul knows where it's at. This soul, like, you know, it's a small kid in a department store looking for its parents. Well, I mean, that's just me being holier than thou. So. <laughs> it's not, that's not harder to be holier than me, though, you know? <laughs> that's true. I'm, I'm just, um. Uh, I guess I'm just, I'm kind of like, maybe you're Pennywise and I'm looking down into the sewer right now. <laughs> you're going to pull me in, is that? Well, not, now you're trying to compliment me. <laughs> oh, man. So, with that, Brian, our wandering soul. Oh, I like that. That's a good term. Soul searcher. Here we are, Brian. Here we are. So, uh, Brian, I guess I'll lead off with a couple questions for you. And I'm just kind of curious to know, like, you grew up. Um, Jewish. Yeah, that's kind of your background is, is a uh, Jewish actually, faith. Actually, um, ethnic. My dad made a big point about how we were ethnically Jewish, Russian Jew, Ashkenazi. But uh, he thought religion was a crock of shit. My mom was comes from a Baptist family, but she thought religion was a crock of shit. So I kind of grew up agnostic, where both my parents said. A lot of people believe a lot of shit. Who knows? And really, that's sort of my background more. Like, my, all my Jewish pride comes from just the fact we own Hollywood. Interesting. That that helps me out, actually, because uh, you definitely refer to yourself as, as, you know, being Jewish or the, the nagging Jew voice, but it's more ethnic than it is religious as far as how you are describing yourself. Is that correct? I guess uh, Jasmine said something the other day about how if you got a drop of black in you, you're a hundred, you know, as far as people are concerned, you're black. And I feel that's, I feel Gentiles look at Jews the same way. I mean, I'm only half Jew, but whites don't consider me white because, they, I mean, even though you can't tell looking at me, could fit in Scottish people, Irish people, a lot of white cultures just fine. Yeah, it's more of a it's more of a cultural thing. It's weird. Everybody associates Jews with the religion, but we're that one unique group because I don't know. I guess because we were kicked around so many places, the ethnicity and the beliefs are really tied together. Ah, yeah. I actually kind of believe in Yahweh more than either of my parents do, ironically enough. But no, they neither of them are believers. So what would uh, cause you to have really didn't instill any sort of religious or spiritual or I mean, maybe they were more, were they also considered to be a belief in God, but just not in religion kind of a thing? Like I don't practice, but I believe kind of a thing? Not or really. Just, 
My dad's, my dad's really into Buddhism. I wouldn't say he. I guess I guess you could say you're right. Uh, as far as my dad goes, that he's definitely knows that there's something out there. He's had some kind of paranormal experiences throughout his life that make him believe in some form of afterlife. He's big on reincarnation um, himself. My mom, I don't think, puts as much thought into it. I think she says, I'll, I'll figure it out when I croak and doesn't think about it. She's more concerned with it. It's for a woman to not think about it. Yeah, I mean, well, just to not think in general. That was a joke. That, that was a joke. Yeah, I know, but it appealed to my lower sensibilities. Um, okay, so then, so so, how did you? I guess I'm curious to know about your belief come from. What is it? Where does it begin? Whatever belief that is, I'm not saying you have, you're a believer, quote unquote, but you have some feeling, some sense that's out, something's out there. Well, where does that come from? I'm big on reincarnation myself, and like, okay, at the risk of sounding like a crazy person. When I was a kid, really small kid, I used to get these seizures at night. And every time I had a seizure, it was because I had a dream where I was living in like somebody else's body in a firehouse in the 50s or 60s or 40s. I'm not sure. You know, old back when America was great, according to Donald Trump, in a big city. The first time I ever got the dream, I'm just talking with some of the other firemen, wake up, have a seizure. Never had a seizure before that. For about two years, the dream kept progressing till um, we're going down the pole because we hear the fire alarm, going down the road in the truck, fighting the fire in the building. And every time I have the dream, it goes a little further and a little further and a little further to the point where I'm dying in a fire because I fell through the floor a few floors and uh, thinking, oh man, I hope I can see my wife one last time before I like croak and go into nothingness. And then, like, you know, wake up in a seizure again. And my parents concerned about, like, not the dream. It's so they're concerned about, like, the seizures. Uh, they weren't night terrors. At first, they were thought they were night terrors. But they put me on this uh, EEG or EKG or I don't even remember what the Ghostbustery sounding initials were. But uh, it monitored my brain waves and it was seizures, apparently. Yeah, I think it's EKG. I yes. believe. Yes, I believe you're right. I don't want to. I don't know. Was it PKG? Oh, Wasn't God. that from Ghostbusters? I don't know. Now I'm getting off on a Ghostbusters tangent. But I always thought that was uh, weird. So how uh, they, they put me on these pills. I stopped getting the seizures. I never had the dream ever again. And I just thought it was strange that I would have this dream that was the exact same. And I guess it would make sense if I maybe had a seizure from it because I'm, like, dying in it. But it, it literally took, like, a year and a half for me to get to the point where I'm dying in the dream. So I don't see why I would have woken up from a seizure from me having small talk with some other dudes. And that's just yeah. kind of, that's had me on my path at a young age of thinking, well, there's probably something out there that beyond what we understand but uh I, why, why don't i ask you the same question uh, i assume you were born into your beliefs um yeah yeah i was uh, my parents uh my dad was born and raised uh irish catholic or catholic he's his parents both immigrated to canada from ireland and then to the united states he was born in canada 
and my mom was um, born into, I guess, the LDS faith, but her both of her parents were not practicing. And then uh, I guess by the time my parents or my mom was a teenager, my my grandparents decided they should maybe decide for themselves if they wanted to follow or not follow, you know, kind of their faith, which they weren't following at the time. So missionaries came over. They, um, and my uncle's about kind of our beliefs in the church and whatnot. My uncle said, no, thank you. And my mom said, yeah, this sounds kind of cool. I'll, I'll go for it. So she got baptized and then um, subsequently met my dad. And they were high school sweethearts. And um, my dad got baptized, I think, when he was like 19 or 20 years old. They got married shortly after and then had my myself, my siblings. Now, I don't mean to interrupt so you, we were, but um, I didn't even realize that Mormons were baptized. Is it a similar process to the Christian Catholic baptism? Or is it, I mean, what, what would be the difference? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Nothing did nothing close to the Catholic baptism where you're not baptized as an infant. Um, you get baptized, you don't get baptized any earlier than like eight years old up until whenever, but eight years old is the earliest you would get baptized. It's through a process called immersion where you're, you're fully immersed in water and then you're, you're raised out of the water. So, um, and there's, there's a lot of symbolism with that type of a baptism um but that's that's the process so it's not a sprinkling of water on your head or anything like that as an infant you're eight years old and up and you're fully immersed in water so uh but the actual all right well uh go on go on from there sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i just found that no no that's that's fine it's good people consider mormons so greatly different than a lot of the other variations of christianity that I mean, even myself, who I who I recognize that people do that, I'm surprised at some of the things. But please go on. Yeah. Um, well, so you know, from that point, then you know, yeah, we we were were raised, you know, and LDS. Uh, my parents, you know, they weren't extremely, you know, we call it active in their you know church going activities or other things. But we'd go, you know, for the most part. Um, and then uh, when I was 15, I just turned 15 years old. Uh, I have a little sister. She was seven at the time. Um, she ended up, uh, dying, uh, really bad asthma. This was in 1995, 96. Um, she had really bad asthma and, um, one night she had an attack so severe that she ended up passing away in my father's arms at our house late one night and uh that kind of threw my parents for quite the loop you know on a from a religious standpoint perspective and stopped going to church altogether shortly after and hadn't really haven't really gone back since other than for celebrations of certain things so that was my background um i kind of did the opposite thing when my sister passed away i, I kind of turned towards you can say uh god and towards my beliefs to get through it it helped me a lot to, to understand and deal with and cope with that tragedy and and uh, everything that goes with it. So um, and that's just helped, I guess, strengthen my my belief that there's a God and that there's you know more to life than just a job and, and uh, relationships with just people. But there's you know there's more stuff out there. That's uh, 
at Savvy, that took a, a downer turn. I wasn't. I was busy thinking. I'm, <laughs> I know. I, I'm like I'm over sorry. here thinking of jokes that I can end your thing with, and then I, well, I'm condolences though. I mean, uh, I guess if it helped form who you are. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely did. You know, I mean, I was 15 years old and my parents stopped going to church and I got to make a decision as to what I want to do. No one's pushing me to go one way or the other. Right. No one. I mean, if I stopped going, no one would question, question why they would just say, oh, it must just be this must be why. And I didn't. But for whatever reason, you know, uh, I consider it to be a huge blessing that I didn't go that way. I, my parents uh, marriage has since fallen apart. And uh, they're getting they've been divorced. Well, they've been, you know, married and marriage in, in uh, certificate only for the last 15 years. So, you know, and I, I would put that back to the tragedy and they had a choice to make. And, and I don't, I don't blame them really for what they happened to them. It's just, I don't know how I would react in the same light, but um, they made some decisions that affected um, a lot of things. And, and I think to me, I would say that a huge part of what caused them to have a very difficult time overcoming uh, a, a tragedy such as losing a child, which I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, uh, but was the choice to kind of do it on their own and not turn towards uh, a, a higher power and search for answers and, and peace instead of just, you know, blaming and, and being upset, you know. So, but yeah, I don't want to turn that into a downer. That was just kind of the situation that we're in. But um, well, I, mean, I guess even earlier than that. To, we, you don't have to apologize well, for your life having been you know, having had a tragedy in it. No, we all have tragedies too, right? I'm, I'm, no, I'm nothing unique in the sense <laughs> that we all a little it. more traumatic than what's happened to a lot of people. I mean, and it's it's nowhere compared to some people, but I'd, I'd also say, you know, it's no, a lot of people will have walks in the park. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. You can say that for sure. I guess we have different, I guess tragedies are different for everyone. Um, to get through them is 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 a choice for sure um yeah i guess you can say that was a pretty rough thing for sure um but i guess i'm we're not no one's exempt from tragedy i guess some people can live pretty privileged quote unquote <laughs> lives where they don't have to deal with that and, and i hope that it's the case but um yeah you're right it's i think about it more i guess it would be the exception to that kind of a tragedy but we've all lost somebody, you know. We, someone, uh, someone's died in, in, in our lives. We, no one, I think, is, has gone through life without having dealt with that. I guess ours was just a little bit more closer to home, you can say. Yeah, and uh -oh. I mean, you know, emotionally painful. I mean, I've lost people from death in my life, but I'd say, I mean, in all honesty, the probably biggest, the biggest tragedy I've ever had in my life was just like, screwing up on game with certain women that would have led to lots of intense three ways you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, i've had a pretty easy life you know <laughs> so yeah I, I put that tragedy at a different level than mine i guess you're yeah, right you know my tragedy is kicking myself in the ass being like oh man you should have done this or that and, you know that's yours is on a whole different spectrum i'm i'm glad you don't have experienced that yeah. Um, you know, I wrote a paper in college once when they talked about, um, you know, pain and people, they, they come up with this line that I don't, I don't really subscribe to. And they say, you know, um, you've never, um, experienced what I've experienced. Therefore you can't, you can't 
know what it's like. You can't comment on it. You can't say anything about it. It's like, dude, I, I mean, pain is pain, I think. You know, for, for me losing my sister to someone going through a divorce or to um, losing a parent or, you know, something less, not nearly as traumatic, but like losing a job or whatever, I mean, you still hurt, right? And it still sucks. And I think in that regard, you can you can find common ground in a lot of things as far as emotion is concerned because you've experienced pain. And just because I can't say, well, you haven't lost, you've never lost a sibling before, you can't, or like you've never experienced, uh, not going away from religion for a second, but you know, you've never experienced um, someone being mean to you because of the color of your skin. It's like, well, I get, I haven't had that same experience as you, but I can guarantee you, I sure felt pain like you have emotionally. So let's, you know, well, that's, and you can, that, that's one thing. I mean, you, you touch on, I think makes, if everybody could empathize with one another more, you know, you get to that extremist, irrational thought and behavior, whether it's, you know, over religious or racial, or you and I were talking earlier about how, I mean, the greatest divide in America today is between liberals and conservatives. What were you saying uh, about that article you oh. read? Yeah, so it was about the feelings that we have towards a person of different political beliefs. And the description of it was, um, was a feeling of contempt towards the other person. And contempt, if you break it down, is essentially like a, a super strong dislike, almost a hatred for that other person or that other group in such a way that you don't even want to try to reconcile with them or find common ground with them because you hate them or dislike them to such a degree that you have no desire. So it's like, how are you supposed to come together if you have such contempt? It's like, or, or, or going through a nasty, nasty divorce, right? You just can't even stand to see that person in the same room, let alone talk to them. How are you supposed to say, hey, you know what? Well, we got kids together. Like, let's try to work this out. It's the same thing. It's like, dude, we've got a nation to run. And, and if we hate each other this much, how in the world are we supposed to even think that we're going to survive? And that's kind of, if you look around, you can see, you know, that seems to be what the environment is right now with, you know, stuff online as, as benign as Instagram memes, you know, to um, as serious as actual discussion at the political level, trying to figure out who the next leader is going to be and all that stuff. So, yeah, hatred or deep, deep, deep dislike where you cannot reconcile yourself with the other side. You, you say benign as memes, but then that, you know, I, I think with the young, you know, I'm the only person who's middle-aged and single and drafting the hill. And, uh, you know, sometimes I meet younger people. And I, if I'm trying to woo an older girl or a girl my age, I might send texts or make phone calls. If I do too much of that with a young girl, they're going to be like, oh, what the hell? Why isn't he just sending me memes? Like, memes are... <laughs> With the young people, that's what they look to. They, really? They get as much out of memes as you and I got out of, like, books, comic books, movies, television, video games, everything combined. 
Because half these kids don't even watch or play anything anymore with video games or movies. They just watch reviews of people that they like telling them about it so they know about it. Why waste 90 minutes when you can watch something for 15 and know all the good parts anyway? That's the mindset in reality. They, they just want it quick and fast. Oh. Young people would hate our podcasts, you know, it's like old people droning on and on. We're like an episode of Star Trek, the TV show, and they want Star Trek the movie. Oh, so there, it's just it's just the Cliff Notes generation, huh? Oh, yeah, the Cliff Notes generation. That's I've met so many people from that generation who I'm like, man, you would be such an amazing person had you been born at a different time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's okay. So, I mean, you opened up my eyes, at least, you know, how you want to communicate more effectively and what's interesting though too is going through that uh our list of followers i did that this morning and i i do recall now thinking about it like I'm like dude this girl looks like she's 15 years old this guy can't be more than 16 like what are they doing following a political you know uh instagram account but i guess it's the memes the meme brings them back yeah it's it's totally the memes it's some of those girls are freaky young, and Ryan, uh, Ryan sent out a mass, anybody who like sat there and liked all of our stuff, he sent out thanks for the love things, and I just felt I had to put in the group chat that it wasn't me who like sent it to a few of these girls, because they're just, Jesus Christ, are they young. But it's weird. It's a double-edged sword, I feel, because then the young people are caring about politics since it's easier to digest the politics, but because it's easier to digest, they don't have an actual understanding of anything, and it's just a bunch of people, you know, it's a bunch of colorblind people spouting off on what's the most beautiful color. It's, it is interesting where my concern would be is if they're looking at this stuff as all just entertainment, right? Oh, that's a funny thing that they just posted about Hillary Clinton or about racist, you know, racists or transgenders, and that's where they're they stop. It's only it's only entertainment, and there's no more like digging deeper into the actual content of the meme, and they just think it's funny. So, like, we're we, you're right. We are, you know, sharing serious things in a in a, a more of a of a lighter manner but man there's a lot behind it and i hope that these guys are taking it that serious where they want to learn more about the uh the content behind the meme than just the meme itself well and i doubt that they are I mean, i've argued for literally since its inception that the daily show is absolutely toxic to this country's political growth and people say, oh, why do you say that? You know, it's a great show. I love The Daily Show. It's, yeah, you love The Daily Show. And all they do is make jokes and pacify your anger about these things which you should be in the streets about. You got Jon Stewart in there doing his fake Jew yell. And I'm a, I, like, believe me, my fake Jew yell is a lot better than yours, Jon Stewart. Fuck you. But it's it's... It's so specifically designed in my eyes, and maybe maybe it's a byproduct of it, and it's not specifically designed to do that, but I feel like there's just too many sinister rich people out there who are good at keeping their money. 
But if you're riled up about something, you see it on the Daily Show, you laugh a bunch about it, you're automatically less angry about it than you were before. Because when you think about it somewhere in your mind, you associate the joke that is going to make you laugh. Because you like Jon Stewart, because he's a charming Jew. And I just, I feel... And here we are, like, guys who make jokes out of politics, and that's sort of like a... I feel there's a way that you can make entertainment out of politics in a way that doesn't pacify people and instead inspires passion. And I never saw that with anybody who was a major fan of The Daily Show. They were just the type who would preach to the choir, go and do nothing. You know, they, they might say, oh, I'm raging against the machine, but then they're going to work every day for the machine. So, I mean, it's the same with a band like Rage Against the Machine, you know? They're like, oh, we, we hate corporate America, buy our shirts and Hot Topic. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to rage. It is. That's why, you know, the guys like uh, Earl Green Day got a lot of flack for kind of becoming corporate, uh, Blink-182, um, even like Michael Moore, you know? Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, hate, I hate capitalism, but go buy my DVDs. You know, kind of oh, stuff. Yeah, he's just, the worst. So, uh, I mean, well, I don't know if you can top Al Gore, but Michael Moore's got to be up there. I think maybe Michael Moore paved the way, the way for Al Gore. But, uh, yeah, anyway. How do we get on this topic anyways? Weren't we discussing, like, God and Jesus and stuff? Uh, and now actually, we're just... These podcasts turn into tangents. So, all right, I got I, um, you, 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 uh, I have a question for you, right? Why, why Mormons? Um, you had that tragedy. You decided to go further towards the church. I'm sure at several points throughout your life you've analyzed your own spirituality. Since I've gotten to know you, you're a very analytical person. So why are you with the group that you're with? And follow-up question... Do you find it to be more about faith and just being a good person? Like, do you care if you're wrong? As long as it made you a good person? Are you going to, like, when you die, be like, oh, shucks, I was wrong. It's the Buddhists or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, those are some good questions. So I guess why Mormon? I mean, um, I was exposed to the LDS church, you know, the Mormon religion, however you want to call it, at a young age. So of course that's going to have an effect of what you know and, and what you're what you're exposed to. Having said that, you know we would go occasionally to other things like a Catholic mass or um, Christian church, just from family members and different things going on. And uh, I, I was just drawn more towards maybe it was the familiarity of what we did, of how we practice our religion, experiences that I had at a young age that also kind of more confirmed that at least for me that I was on the path that I was supposed to be on um just some experiences in reading some of the you know the holy books that we have that you know the book of mormon which is you know why we have that nickname the mormons um reading that and and realizing that what i was reading uh felt like it was right it wasn't made up that what's in there it came from a a spiritual source and so um i couldn't really go go back from that but also going, and I don't want to get too deep. Well, I guess we'll go deep as you want to go, Brian. But um, some of the, the doctrine uh, with the LDS faith, 
really strong that resonates with with those who understand it and, and practice it is um, we believe that the uh, the family is is an eternal family that our relationships if we do certain things can continue past this life as a family unit and so when my sister passed away um, you know you you want to strongly believe that you'll see her again and that you'll recognize her know her and so um, for me having that belief that our families we, we you know there's a phrase in the eldest in the eldest faith is that uh, families are forever and um, that resonates especially when you lose someone like that so close to you or anyone really you can say you know what I I want to see that person again I don't think this is the end and the uh, the LDS church or Mormon religion has a belief that I can see them again and not only see them again, but know them as my brother, my sister, my aunt, my uncle, my mom or dad. So, um, deeply with me personally, and I think as uh, for our religion as a whole. And what was the second question again? Would you be mad to find out you're wrong or, or does it matter because it's made you a better person and that's, that's what's important to you? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I gave 10% of my income to my church, so I'd be kind of pissed off if I found out that I gave away 10% for nothing. Oh, wait, is that um, a real thing? That's not like a joke you've made? I'm tithing, yes. 10% of my income goes to the uh, goes to the, goes to the church oh my God, to be able to provide for Oh, my God. My money hairs are going woo-woo-woo right now. <laughs> No man, it's it's the truth. You do ten percent in tithing, which is a you know coming. It's, it's a biblical uh, doctrine, and you know we don't have a church that's paid by any means. Um, like the local clergy, it's all volunteer. Uh, everyone has a job, and we just do it volunteer wise. So you know, there's different things you got to do. You got to build buildings. You got to let people run the church, and you know whatnot. So yeah, yeah, we really got big coffers. Churches got big coffers. So what a business uh, model. But you know, they do a lot of good. They do. All, there's a lot of good that comes out of the church as well. well I, mean, I mean, I so. wasn't saying that like in a derogatory manner, like as a person. I'm, I know they do. I, I mean, they, they send missionaries literally everywhere, and it's if you're feeding people a bride, you know, that's putting them on international plane ticket. Does the church pay for that? That's actually an assumption I've made. No, no. It's paid for, it's, well, okay, hold on. If you have, if you have the ability to pay for it, you pay for it. If you don't, then, then it, your money comes from they call it like a general missionary fund. But like you know, for those guys that are like say in Brazil, where I served my mission, there were plenty of guys out there that had no way they're going to pay for their mission. So um, it comes from church funds for sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, one, one interesting fact is the LDS Church does not, um, they pay for everything in cash. There is zero debt on their books. Everything in cash. That's a good way to be. That that makes me pro-Mormon right there. <laughs> yeah, so, no, they, you're right. I mean, as far as they, they do a very good job with their books, and I think they manage that money very well. The tune of having, you know, billions of dollars in the bank. So, yeah. Do you have to do a mission? No, you don't. It's definitely encouraged. Like, the women, you know, 
You don't have to if you're a, if you're a woman or a girl or a teenager or whatever. Yo, it used to be at 19 years old, from 19 to 21, when you typically would go if you're a guy. And uh, they just reduced the age down to 18. So once you graduate college or high school, you can get a, a call to go serve a mission in uh, Zimbabwe or in the deep Russia. So if I, cool. if I joined your church, right, and then I wanted to go on a mission using the general missionary fund, how long would I have to be a member before they foot the bill for me to go to some cool foreign country? Um, I believe a year would be a minimum requirement. That's it? Just a year going to church? Just a year, man. Now, like, even if I don't have a job that whole time, so I can't, like, I can't pay, to, like, what's 10% of nothing, you know? That's fine, man. Like, That's fine as long as you've got the desire. Could I, would they, would they accept my leftovers when ladies buy me dinner as my 10%? <laughs> You don't have to be a, a, a tithe-paying member to go on a mission, so you're fine there. Oh, wow. Yeah, you just say, yeah, I can't pay for it, but I want to go, and they figure it out. Do you uh, do you get to pick where you go? Nope, nope. They send you a letter, and in the letter, it tells you where you're going to go, when you're going to go, and for how long you're going to serve. Now, is so, there a person you can bribe? It, who would be the person I would bribe? If I were trying to get sent to a specific place, sorry, and I'll get off this tangent, but I just, I'm having like a producer's oh, moment. Straight to, straight to Jesus for that bride, man, so good luck with that one. No, I mean, but there's got to be someone in the organization who matches up names yeah. to locations. It's not just like a giant wheel. The the process is pretty interesting. Um, every every uh, mission request, request for a missionary to go out in the field is reviewed by a... Uh, a group of, of 12 to 15 men in Salt Lake City, and they look at those, and they just, um, I think, make a decision based on need, based on a feeling, inspiration, however you want to call it, and then there you go. So you'd have to, like, a way, way, way high up to decide to, to make that bribe happen. But, uh, well, you probably, like, if, if I knew there were the pictures being taken of me, I could maybe do subtle things, like wear a pinky ring and Adidas tracksuits, and they'd send me to Eastern Europe. <laughs> uh, you know, there are on the questionnaire though. You can say if you if you would prefer to go foreign or stay domestic, if you prefer to speak another language or not. But that's about it. That's cool. That's sorry. Just you know, when like I don't know if you've seen the producers, but like I feel like zero Mistel. I have it. I have that thing over my head. Oh, uh, I just I feel like you know if you if someone wanted to scam the church to get out of the country. It wouldn't be very hard. And then, you, oh, and then right. you just disappear, you know, once you're in the foreign land. There's a, yeah, there's a however to that one. Ah. Oh. So, however to that part. Sorry, I'm just changing my position here in my chair. From oh, that's fine. I'm out of shape. Let's see. Um, <laughs> but however would be is there's, there's a very um, organization at the, the mission level is still really strong. And um, you would really quickly probably end up getting sent back home if you just thought you are going to go on vacation. So there's still a lot that... No, I mean, you like, disappear. Do. No, I don't mean, like, disappear overnight when they think you're supposed to be helping some kids. I mean, like, just, like, go off into, you know, 
like straight go to talking like just get a free trip to some foreign country and, and yeah, then like, like then like backpack across the country, join some like crime syndicate, grow a beard so no Mormons recognize you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if if uh, if you would if you wanted to pretend to be Mormon for a year. <laughs> You know, and do that. You, you could. I, it might. It might make more sense just to buy a plane ticket or to rob somebody. But yeah, you could. Sure. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Although the, the problem would be, is you're too old now. Well, they won't let me go. No, you need to be because you're now you're you're considered a man who can be of working age, um, who should have a family, who should be doing you know. No, no, you're you're considered too old, my friend. The next time you can go and serve a mission would be with your wife after you've retired and your kids are have left the house. So I'd have so, to. So the only way I could successfully scam the church is finding a bisexual woman or yeah. a lesbian <laughs> who just like want to go off to Brazil and do a bunch of big booty girls. Man, that's, now, now it's involving a fake marriage. This con is no longer as appealing as it was before. Well, why is there an age cap, and what is it? Um, it's, it's I think on a case by case basis. I saw guys as old as like twenty six, twenty seven go on their missions. Um, but they just kind of say like, you know, you're just you need to be doing something else with your life now. Like you need to be a member of society and you probably need to go go to school and get a job and get married and, and give us 10 percent god you know what the mormon church sounds a lot like women after i bang them for a few months <laughs> uh we'll keep that analysis you know outside of the church's ears <laughs> sorry i i have a filth mouth god I, I do apologize if it offends you, but I feel like God's entertained by my shenanigans. Otherwise, why would he have given me such a mind? There's a lot of stuff I think that entertains him that we, that religious people disagree about being entertained by that stuff. Well, I think it's, I think it's intent, you know, and uh, to get back to religion, I think one of the biggest things that makes religions impossible to look at one another's point of view is people just don't look at each other's point of view. I mean, we were talking about contempt between the left and the right nowadays. Back in the day, religions despised each other. I mean, back in the day... Oh man, excuse that dog if the mic picks it up. But back in the day, I could shoot you and your whole family in certain states. Like if, yeah. I, had, if I had a bad weekend at work or like I had a row with my wife, and I just need to let off some steam. I could throw a Molotov into your house. Uh, the, the, you can't do that anymore, so maybe that's why the left and right hate each other so much. Is You, know, you can't beat your wife and hate people because they're race. And you know, yeah, I think about it. I mean, what, they didn't back then, you know, they're now like the religious fervor. Like the, our, our church, we call it, was, you know, was reorganized or, um, in the mid-1800s, 1830s. What did they have to do? And you yelled at each other and you shot Mormons if you needed to. But, you know, I mean, so like they, you didn't have a whole lot of distraction to get mad at. I guess religion just made a lot of sense. It's, you know, you just had to say that you were damned to hell and here's why. Let's get a fight about it. Well, that, that's true. But then if you look at 
certain parts of the Middle East where, I mean, smartphones and nice cars and the internet and neon signs are readily available, and they're still killing people over religion, stoning women because they had sex with a guy, cutting off women's clits so they don't enjoy sex, all in the name of God, while playing Xbox Live at the same time, asking American girls for nudes over social media. Well, yeah, See, now we're going on a whole different religion, though, too, right, where the extremism is on a whole new level, like we talked about before, and I don't know why that is, but yeah, man, that's... I think it's allowed. What do you think, the, if the government was so Christian, loved Christ so much that they would let the Westboro Baptist Church do whatever the hell they wanted to do. What do you think the Westboro Baptist Church would be up to if they could legally get away with rape, murder, terrorizing people, arson, intimidation, assault? Yeah, um... The person inside me that says, well, they're, they've got a form of Christianity, but they lack kind of the, uh, oh, he's, how do you call it? The, um, I guess, actual doing it right. I'm completely spacing on the word that I'm thinking of. The actual, I guess, um, yeah, they just, they, they do Christianity wrong. All right, so yeah, how far would they be willing to go if you were more of a, um, theocracy and your theocracy was christianity but here's what i i don't know so of christianity obviously is christ and his teachings and his teachings if you're actually following what he says is to love one another right do as i'm doing follow me and how he lived his life was one that was pretty impeccable um and so if, if you're going to be following the true christian beliefs then there's no room there's no room for that for for that type of um, that that how you profess your belief is. I'm sorry, you're not going to hear Jesus Christ telling saying my father hates fags, right? So those guys are perverted for sure. Um, the thing is, so hopefully, I guess the whole point of this would be is if, is if it's a theocracy, and if, if it's a true Christian religion that's at the center of, of running the country, there shouldn't be space for Westboro Baptists. Just like there shouldn't be space for radical Muslims. At the same time, um, if we're going true Christian, couldn't I rape someone's daughter and give them some gold? I said it again. Oh, uh, sorry. If we're talking a, crew, a true Christian theocracy, then couldn't I rape somebody's daughter and then give them some gold and then boom i got a new wife ah uh, i mean there's some messed up things in the world that huh trying to consider that <laughs> that scenario you know it's not out of the realm of belief i mean shoot you know you had the catholic church back in uh way back in the day where they were if then then you're essentially able to buy your forgiveness. Um, again, I think it's a total perversion of, of Christianity, but that's something that they practiced. So with people, nothing's out of the realm of possibility, I guess. World, but in someone else's world, yeah, again, when you give someone power, a lot of crazy things happen, and they'll find a way to make that okay. Okay, um, now, like, I'm very 
<clears throat> I hate to say the word spiritual, but because I don't follow a particular religion, you know, I guess I fall into that category, though I don't really believe what the people who typically identify themselves as spiritual think. So I'm going to plead ignorance for a second. Deuteronomy. Like, what, what's that book all about? Because I'm, I'm about to read a Deuteronomy quote, but I'd like some context on the book before I do it. Deuteronomy, um, and I'm not a huge Old Testament guy, but Deuteronomy would have been like, you got Leviticus, Deuteronomy. I believe that that's it. Leviticus might be the set of laws that Israel or, you know, the Jewish people um, followed. And I believe it's one of the first five books of the Old Testament. Right, you got uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, I want to say. Um, and, and Christians follow those as well, right? Huh? Certain things, like, like you, you get, get the Ten, Ten Commandments, right, which is a big belief, a big basis. Um, but the Old Testament went to what was called the, uh, which, you know, Jews still follow. Jews still follow that. You get your Orthodox, obviously, Jews that, that um, follow very strictly and more of your... Uh, uh, I guess, uh, modern-day Jew, which is more, obviously, liberal. Um, the Reformed, they call themselves. Reformed Jews. Basically, it, I want to eat a bacon cheeseburger and not obey yeah. kosher Jews. And I don't want to have the curly Jews hanging down on my uh, side of my head. Girls don't want to bang guys who have those, I'm telling you. That's your name is Matis Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, but those girls all have, like, hairy armpits or, you know. Anyway, back, back to the, the question, question, right? So, so Deuteronomy, right? Now, and, and real quick, is is um, the Old Testament was you seriously followed the law of Moses. The law of Moses was like you were super strict on things you could do or couldn't do. Um, you could only walk a certain amount of steps on Sunday. Things you could eat, like you know, pork and whatnot. You can't eat that because it's it's uh, it's unclean. And there's a lot of things. So it was like essentially the old law. Of Christianity, Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law of Moses and enact into a, a new law, which is very different. You know, uh, Old Testament's eye for an eye, New Testament's, you know, love your neighbor or hate, uh, love your enemy kind of thing, walk them a mile, if they need to coat, give them your coat kind of a thing, just like a totally different belief. So, um, Deuteronomy. Fine, fine, and obviously there is stuff that people followed back in the day, which is just crazy, strange. Um, that's cool, but I would say it, it shouldn't it shouldn't carry a lot of water today. Only in a Jewish society would it carry. Not in a like Jesus basically came and said, "You don't got to read these books no more." Yeah, what you guys? The whole yeah, I mean, the whole premise is like when the Ten Commandments came down. Um, there's a law, and there's supposed to be a bunch more laws on top of that, but the people would, like, in a span of I don't know how long it took them, like, they totally revolted. And so Moses said the Ten Commandments, he did a bunch of other commandments, but he broke those commandments because he realized these people can't even follow these things, so I'm not going to give them to you, kind of a deal. Like, you're just idiots, and so I can't let you guys try to follow this, or you're going to break all the commandments. So, um, it comes down and says here, like, abide by these Ten Commandments if you guys can, but I don't have a lot of faith in you, which he was right about. And so, anyway, that's... Um, so, basically, like, Christ was God's way of coming down and saying, Listen, I know my original set of rules was asking way too much from you schmucks, so just try for this instead, okay, please? 
Um, in a sense, it's just a well, God would say schmuck if he was originally a Jew. Sure, absolutely. Um, he'd tell you to stop shipping your, your neighbor, too, right? So, the humans are such a shock. Um, yeah, the whole premise with, with Jesus, right, was just to enact a brand new law, a law that was no longer based upon these strict, rigid guidelines you had to follow. But it became more of like a, uh, you know, stop being stupid. Be good people. Love your neighbor. Try to do good. Follow me. Right? right? Listen to what I have to say, and you're going to be all right. If you don't, then you're going to kind of struggle. And if you guys try to follow me, I'm going to help you out, and I'm going to save you. Um, if you if you do what I say, and you do, you know, do what I do kind of thing. I mean, that's obviously a really, really high-level, very basic version of it, but yeah. At least in my mind, Jesus just said, and I'm going to help you out. you got to give you something back. And if you do, then, you know, I'll be, I'll be kind of here to help you out and get you through some tough times. All right, so I got, I got a fun game I want to do real quick. Is this, I'm going to, I'm going to read a quote, and you're going to tell me who said this. The all-powerful, all-loving God, Yahweh, whatever you want to call him, or Harvey Weinstein. Okay. <laughs> if, if a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and rapes her and they are discovered, he shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman for he has violated her. Was that God or Harvey Weinstein? I'll, I'll have to go with uh, God on that one. You're right. It was the all-powerful, all-knowing God who said that in Deuteronomy. Well, no, wait a second. Was that... That was in Deuteronomy. That, that could also... might not necessarily be from the mouth of the Almighty himself. It might be from a guy who's decided to take advantage of his... or as a religious leader, though, too. Just... Just gonna throw it out. I need to look at that quote and see who's it coming from, truly, versus the website that whatever website you're on that's giving you these quotes. Well, this is one I've been well familiar with for a long time, and it's it's actually the one because I know, as a pervy Jewish man, I know some guy just got away with something. He's like, "Holy crap! I could just." write this one little rape law in the middle of this whole book right here. <laughs> now it's law. Fucking sweet. How sweet is that? I know what was going on there. It was like prehistoric Harvey Weinstein and his buddies getting together and creating rape clause. But even if Yahweh was real, which I happen to believe, his message has been so perverted and distorted, I, I can't just prescribe to any particular explanation of him, except the one in my own heart. Because if the if the root material to all these other spin-off religions, essentially, is so tainted, you know, I, I would, if I was going to make a sequel to a movie, it wouldn't be one with a bunch of plot holes. 
it's religion's a tough thing, man. It's uh, there's a lot that goes on. Just to, like you said, just the perversion of you want to call it the word of God or the perversion of the Almighty, perversion of religion. You know, man, you just think about these preachers and pastors. You know, the televangelists are just saying, you know, send me all your money and I'll make you feel good. And they get rich off the backs of, you know, their their congregation personally, you know, rich off the backs of their congregation. And, you know, those Christian beliefs or Christian religions, but, you know, it just happens. And we're global, right? Oh, incredible. Can I, can I ask you a somewhat, this might be kind of a depressing question, so you can say no if you don't want to be depressed. That's, that's fine. Would you rather, like, be wrong and end up in hell, tortured for eternity, but you're with your sister side by side, or you're also wrong, but, like, you're, you're in, like, a heaven... That essentially where she's not there at all. That's a terrible question. I know, I, I prefaced it with, if you don't want to be <laughs> depressed. But I think it's an interesting... Oh, no, I'd have to, I mean, I mean, if I got to answer the question, I guess... You could say no. Am I, I going to be alone and I don't know anybody? Like, I mean, I, I obviously would say that, I mean, as much as I love and miss my sister... Right, there's more to my life and my family than her. Like I got my wife and my kids. So, if you say would I rather be in hell or in heaven without them, I would probably have to say in hell with them. Well, that's really sweet. How can it be heaven without them? Tequila and beef ribs. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so that's what I would say. But uh, that's a that's a good one. That's a hard one to answer for sure. No. It just, it seemed um, like, you know, that was the, the one thing that really formed your religious beliefs um, was that tragedy. I mean, you said it, it clear, you know, that it was. And it just made me wonder, like, now where you're at as a religious man. Cause I, yeah. fe I feel you're very conservative, but at the same time, you're not hard-lined. You'll look into specific instances and realize okay this doesn't fit into the norm of maybe a bad thing not not every trans person like you know is going to rape kids and is only going into the ladies bathroom because they're a pervert <laughs> too many of them are but you're very you're very analytical so what's the one thing that even in this day and age keeps you with the LDS, as opposed to, you know, any other brand, or even just your own, especially with the, with the, is it tithings, T-H, or is it T-I-D, -I, like tidings, like, like in Christmas time, or something. Yeah, T-I-T-H-I-N-G. Wow. Um, oh, um, I would say, yeah, I don't, my... The return on my 10% investment is not going to be realized in this life. So I can't say, you know, uh, I'm getting a good return as far as monetarily. That's not why I give them the 10%. Um, but, you know, as far as why I stick with them, it would have to be, I think what differentiates us from a lot of those, uh, from 
Well, really, I think from every Christian religion, uh, I shouldn't say every, because I don't know every Christian religion, but most religions have a very different belief in what heaven and what the afterlife is going to be like. Um, the friend that she said, you know, when we go to heaven, you're just going to be an angel and you're not going to really know anybody. You're just going to be an angel worshiping God all day long. And again, I, you know, I asked the kind of the same question, I'm like, well, how the hell can... Sorry, I shouldn't use hell when I was talking about heaven. Um, the world can, I like the juxtaposition of it. Uh, well, how in the world can, can it be heaven without the people that I know and that I love, right? So with the LDS Church, Mormon religion, whatever, my faith, the fact that I believe that I will have a chance to be with my family forever. I believe that I'll have a chance not to like live in a house with my kids, but that the... the you know, right? And and the, the relationships that you have here on Earth can continue into this next life, and you're going to continue to progress and to grow throughout however long that is. And so, where I guess you get the comfort and um, tragedy, I think when you have a perspective, I guess it overcome tragedy a lot better when you have a perspective of you know what this life is actually pretty short in the grand scheme of things. And one day I'm going to die, and hopefully that, when that day comes, I'll be with those that I still love. And life will continue on, whether I'm a billionaire or have $2 in my bank account. At one point, it's all going to be over, and it won't matter anymore. What will matter is just the relationships that I've built inside my family and with those around me. So... You know, it, it brings a lot of peace of mind knowing how to get through hard times and look forward to just a weird thing. It's a weird thing, but now um, I had a uh, a Mormon friend. I wouldn't say friend. That's a huge. I'm pretty sure he hated me, and I didn't really like anybody. But I knew a Mormon growing up, and uh, coincidentally, you know him too. And I could be remembering him wrong, or maybe he got it wrong, or I, this was a million years ago. But I remember him uttering something about, if you die and you're an unbeliever, you go to basically what's a classroom, and some angels tell you what's up, and then you get another chance to, like, uh, alright, I accept this into my heart, or... Or reject it from that point. Is that any resembling any sort of truth? One hundred percent accurate. Yeah, we're just building schools of education in the afterlife. Uh, no, it's it's uh, it's probably a sixth grade interpretation of. <laughs> Sorry, that, that cracked me up. Uh, I think it's probably the interpretation of a sixth grader's uh, uh, version of, of what they were trying to teach them. And again, it goes into a little bit deeper and it'll probably tick off a lot of evangelicals and whatnot, but um, we're really the only church that does believe in a salvation of sorts. Well, I don't think everyone's going to be saved, go to heaven. Most religions say either A, if you don't Except Jesus, you're going to hell. 
if you don't convert to Islam, then you're going to hell. If you don't believe in anything, you're going to hell. So you have to accept Jesus or else you're going to hell. Christianity has not been around for the entire human existence. It's not even known to many parts of the world to this day. So if we believe, A, in a just God, B, in salvation through Jesus Christ, that you have to accept him to be saved, it's going to really suck for billions and billions of people that have come on and passed through this earth that have never even heard the name Jesus Christ, let alone be able to learn about him and understand his teachings and say, yeah, you know what, I'm good at that. I want to follow him and be baptized. So what we believe is for all those people that never had a chance to learn about Jesus Christ, accept him, be baptized, follow him, be saved, you know, quote unquote, your life, believe that there will be an opportunity for you to still be able to learn about Jesus Christ, accept him or reject him. You still have that agency, that ability to choose whether or not you want to believe in that or, or you don't. And if you do, then you'll have a chance to essentially say, yeah, you know what, I'm, I, I wish I had a chance to learn about this guy when I was alive, but since I haven't and I like it, I want to follow this. So that so, would apply to me. That would, yeah, that would apply to you, Brian. Don't get baptized. Just say I'm going to hold off until I die. No, it would apply to me, or it would not. I, I would say I would, I would assume so. I mean, it'd be up to you, though, too. Like, Sorry, go on. Yeah. Well, I don't see. I don't. Um, I hope it all gets worked out. I would assume to say um, uh, if you have a chance to, I think. Okay, let me let me back up real quick. My belief is that the Old Testament, who says, by your quoting, you know, you can rape women and just pay a fine and marry her. Uh, I I don't think that that's the one that rules the universe. I think it's a very just. And merciful God who's going to give you every single chance and opportunity, you know, except that ability to be saved and go to heaven and all those things that Christians believe in. So my belief would be is that, yeah, I would, I would recommend that you search out and try to find for yourself, you know, learn more about Jesus Christ and is he, you know, a God you kind of want to aspire to or, or not. Well, I like, him as a, maybe, I like him as a rabbi. I'm just not sold on the whole, like, son of God thing. If you ask me, personally, I think he's more akin to an to a Rasputin type. But, you know, that's... And then for you, is why was he killed? What, who, who did he proclaim to be? Because he was preaching a very conservative form of Judaism at the time when the big money Jews in the area, which Jesus, the man, I'm just talking about him like historical facts, like as a man, you know, they, they did not like conservative ideology. And as a very charismatic uh, conservative leader, I mean, leaders get killed all the time. And like I say conservative, but you know, those, those terms, have so much that go with them that change throughout the history, you know? Um, so what was liberal and conservative in Jesus' time in Jerusalem is not what's liberal and conservative in modern-day America. But he was, I mean, he, I think he was killed because 
he made enemies with it's the same reason Corey Feldman just got arrested. Pissed off the wrong Jews. Jesus was killed is the same reason Corey Feldman was arrested. Yeah, he pissed off the Yeah. If you ask me. I mean it doesn't even say that in the Bible. I mean the Jews got pissed, ratted him out to the WAPs, and then the WAPs put him up on the cross. Like that's basically the gist of it, right? Yeah, he was arrested on charges that really didn't. He was he was uh, betrayed by one of his followers in Judas, right? Uh huh. And um, it was essentially it was him, and then this uh, thief. Um, blank on his name now. Essentially, yeah, he was put before a mob by uh, Pontius Pilate, the Roman ruler at the time, and was like. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't see what's wrong with this guy. He's done nothing wrong, and the the mob was like, you know, crucifying, crucifying. So he was killed. So I mean, why was you have to ask yourself why was the mob so riled up? Okay, what what's your opinion? I mean, you've studied it more from as a different angle than I have. So I mean, a different angle and more. So why 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 they hate Jesus? For two reasons. Number one, they were afraid. They were afraid of um, what he claimed to be, which was essentially the Son of God, right? And so he really turned the entire political system upside down with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And uh, he's such a called, you know, a generation of vipers. Is one of my favorite sayings he would use. At least the Bible has written. He called these guys just like total, you know, just hypocrites. Up and down, left and right, just they've, they've perverted the Jewish way and their laws, and they've just turned into this just nasty group of people. And he's just totally just every chance he could, and obviously didn't like that. Well, why was he killed? Yeah, he said, I'm the son of God, so either he's a crazy man and uh, teaches just insanity, or you know, maybe there's some truth to his really. Really incredible. And I say incredible, but like just unbelievable, uh, gnarly story. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just for me, it's one or the other. Is he just a nut? The nut case, or was he what he believed to be? Is that why people killed him because they couldn't? Sorry to continue. Um, no, no, please, please. Um, I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Jews, one of their core beliefs is that they're going to have a Messiah come and save them. The Messiah is supposed to come down and, and save them from a uh, essentially just another uh, uh, destruction from, I don't know if it's going to be a war or a plague, or who knows what, but a Messiah is supposed to come down and save them. Supposed to come down in all his glory. Like, here I come, I'm saving you, like, look at me, I'm coming from heaven, like, beaming with light, or whatever it may be, right? All right, Donald Trump. This comes along, you know, the story goes, he was born in a, in a stable, right, with animals, to pretty humble beginnings, to where he rose to become what could have been for them their Messiah, but they rejected him because... He didn't come in the way that they, the Jews thought he was supposed to be coming down to save them. And so I think they rejected him because he said he was, but he didn't come in the way that they thought he was going to, so they rejected his 
you know, in, 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 uh, I guess in Jew fashion, it wasn't just the most amazing thing ever, <laughs> you know, something to complain about. Come on. This guy came out of a manger. He says we can't rape oh. women no more. But, uh, I don't like this guy. But okay, so, let, let, me, let me propose something to you, right? Let's say, just to argue devil's advocate, when, whenever he referred to himself as a ch child of God, like he meant it in that hippy dippy sort of way, like we're all equal, all children of God, you know? Um, and. He was telling everybody, peace, love, happiness, equality, and you're the people making a whole bunch of money off of women being second-class citizens, off of different ethnicities being disliking one another. You're making money off of the division, and you're taking advantage of the immorality in your text. Are, are, are you going to kill the really charismatic guy who's making everyone love one another, or are you going to let him get more followers? Um, and this isn't to disprove that, he, that like, what you're saying is also true. I'm, I'm more trying to, like, because I don't, like, people say, oh, they were afraid, like, no, I don't think these people gave a fuck. I don't think they believed in God enough to be afraid of Jesus and want to kill him. I think they were just like, we need to get this not taken care of. I'm sure they, if, if any miracles really did happen, I doubt these high-up Jews believed any of the stories because stories of miracles like that are a dime a dozen back in the day. Um, so I'm not trying to disprove Jesus before you answer that. Sorry for the little rant. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, oh, yeah, there's, there's going to be a, uh, an element for sure where he's disrupting a system and they don't like that. And he's kind of essentially calling out these guys for, you know, being bad dudes, bad, um, bad leaders hypocrites and they're gonna exception to that and try to you know off the guy sure so there's definitely an element where it was purely going to be for power and political reasons because he was the one disrupting that whole system um so i would agree with you on that one but also i guess you could say i mean if he's He's just a crazy guy. Like, how many times he sees like the, like the nut job on the side of the street saying, "You know, repent, repent. Your your time's up. You're going to hell." And do you, do you really care that much about him either? Do you really want to kill him? Yeah, You're just like, like, oh, hey, there's you know, there's my uncle there, you know. But if there was, if there was a dude who was rallying all of the homeless people together under a unified banner, I'd probably want to kill that guy. <laughs> Um, and, you, you, and all, all, all of the people like are like, oh shit, that's God. That homeless man shouting, that's God. And like every day he gets new followers. Yeah, like people in power might have an interest in taking that guy out. Yeah, well, if, if you're, uh, I, I guess, guess again, it goes, it goes back, back to um, David Koresh, cough, cough. I don't know. Yeah, see, I mean, if you're going to if you're gonna picture in your mind the David Koresh figure as being Jesus, so I believe Koresh thought he was Jesus, I, I believe. 
um, or a homeless guy, right, or some just nutcase just screaming in the streets, I think that's going to be, it's not going to be a characterization, uh, uh, a properly characterized version of, I don't think that he's the crazy man screaming and shouting. He's at least how the Bible depicts it in the stories that are told. Most of his sermons, most of his discussions are going to be like sitting on the side of a hill, having a conversation, talking about it, you know. Um, the only time that he was actually, you know, at least documented as being upset was when he turned all the tables over at the temple because people were like, they essentially turned a religious, uh, sacred building uh, location into like a, uh, what they call the money changers, right? I think the Jews had turned the temple into a bank and it taken them off. The only time that I remember him showing any form of aggression um, physically. And then, I so, mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, but again, it just goes to um, how did he portray himself in his, in his walk? And, you know, in his daily interaction with people. And um, I, when I read the Bible, I read a person who is completely in control of his emotions and in control of, of what he said and what he thought. Even when he turned over all those tables at the steps of the temple, um, it wrote that prior to that happening, he like something or he like he saw it and he took some time, walked away, gathered himself. It wasn't like a total like just instant reaction of what the hell you guys doing kind of thing. So I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot to that question, a lot to that answer, but probably justice. Oh, I would say, too, I mean, if Jesus was a Jew, he understands the importance of a good performance, and sometimes getting angry helps prove a point. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I meant it when I said, Jesus is my rabbi. I like everything the guy has to say, and I happen to believe in Yahweh. You want to know, here, here's something I find absolutely fascinating, Trevor that a lot of people don't find fascinating or or even give a fuck about. And I'm not saying that I believe this is the truth and this is what's going on in reality, but back in the day before the Jews popped up and it was just a bunch of different tribes and civilizations and their you know, mythological gods, what we call mythology nowadays, there wasn't that much of a difference between the Norse and the Germanic and the Greek or Roman. I mean, sometimes names and stories changed, as things do when you play telephone, but essentially it was all pretty similar. And Yahweh was one of those gods back in the day, except he was so unimportant. He was like... The, the guy in the background that nobody fucking knows who he is on a TV show, but you always see him there. Like the old woman at the counter on Seinfeld. I don't know. You know, he was he was so unimportant. Such the Joe Schmo God that nobody gave a fuck about. And then one day, he's like, oh, hey, Jews. Starts this. If, if we're talking about it like it's real, you know, and this is we're going past, you know, historically speaking, if this is all real. He says, hey, Jews, I'm the only real God. And then the Jews systematically, like, wipe out 
so many different faiths uh, competing with them economically and whatnot, moving into their backyards and influencing their culture. People often say, "Why, like, you know?" They'll say, "Why do people hate Jews?" Women will say to me, and I'll say, "You know, because we move into their backyards and fuck their women. Like nobody likes people like that." Hey, I wasn't born here, but I'm here now, and I'm gonna make money and fuck your women. Like, who who wants that? Nobody. It's just the whole. I lost my train of thought. Wait. Give me a second. I'll edit this. I feel like I'm turning into Frankie Muniz. I can't remember anything anymore. <laughs> what was I just saying? Um, you were comparing Yahweh to a man who okay, comes in. Okay, so the Jews, Yahweh, systematically destroy all this stuff. You get the offshoots of Christianity, Catholicism, Islam, you know, the, the Church of the Latter-day Saints. You get all these offshoots. And if if God is real, it would make me wonder: is is He doing what Vince McMahon is doing to own wrestling, to own religion? And did He really like, kill these other gods somehow? Because if Yahweh is real, then we have to. If He existed before the Jews like willed Him into existence, then how aren't those other gods real by that same logic? You know. Because the people believed in Yahweh before, and then the Jews said, Oh, wait, no, all this other crap's fake except Yahweh. That was the only thing that was actually real, was the most unimportant person in all of the stories. That's the only legit part. And then everything else gets destroyed. What? How is, uh, how, how is Zeus not real by by following the history of Yahweh, who then spawned Jesus, because you'd, you'd agree if it weren't for the Jews basically creating monotheism, there'd never be the Church of the Latter-day Saints, right? And they had to evolve to get to that point? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that I'm following that story. I think that I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I know, it's, it's and, a little rambly and doesn't make a lot of sense, but sorry, go on. Just defending myself. That's the crazy thing when you can get like really deep into religion, right? And say, uh, it's just the big unknown is like, you know, I guess the question is why aren't there, why, why can't there be other gods in this universe? Is, is as the, the you know, like you said, Yahweh or the God that I believe in, is the only one that's created anything? Or is he like up there like with some other guys who's kind of, you know, Making stuff up and building cool things and letting them kind of figure it out. I don't know. But then wouldn't he... Either either him or somebody would have had to lie then if he was the... Because it says pretty... doesn't it say, like, I'm the only god. Don't worship other gods. I'm the only dude you worship. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I, uh, I believe that. But I'm talking about, like, yeah, okay, he's the god of this world that he created or this galaxy or whatever he's created we should you know I, but a lot of that too i think comes into into the play where that that um if you read more into that um commandment 
it's it's not talking about I think um, from a religious standpoint. I think it's talking more from a a an objective standpoint or like a materialistic standpoint, where it's like, look, if you if you want to love money more than me or that car or that woman or that house or whatever, then you're 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 going down the wrong path. There's other too, like you know, yeah, don't don't be um, worshiping. The Virgin Mary, or don't be worshiping, um, you know, uh, Zeus or, uh, or a Hindu god. Like I'm the only god, kind of thing. Like yeah, sure, that too. Um, but I'm talking about like, you know, why why would there not be only God that's ever existed in the entire existence of things of the universe? other gods that are in charge of their kind of corner of the universe. I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't be, I don't want to be so sure that I wouldn't be open to that possibility, but he would be the one in charge of uh, kind of this area. That makes any sense whatsoever. I have no idea. So him saying he's the only God, don't put other gods before me could have, been mistranslated if he did say it as opposed to an outright lie i guess you could say no i think saying i i don't worship any gods before me as you like as being the creator of of your world of being the creator of your universe your your whatever he's created here so you believe that, like, that 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 god got yahweh came to the jews and like all all that all that covenant with the Jews, Moses crap, like, I, uh, that, that, that's real then, yeah? I mean, I mean, the story goes, right, that Moses was adopted by uh, Egyptian Pharaoh, and then at one point, Moses essentially was, yeah, visited by, we call him Jehovah, um, and from that, Moses left his life of nice comfort to where he then, you know, took the Jews that were in exile or were slaves in Egypt in the desert. He got the commandments and then they decided to post up somewhere and worship and, and practice their religion and live in Israel, the Israel area in the Middle East. So yeah, just like you had a some crazy dream. It sounds like Moses did too, but just of a different sorts, and it was visited to him by the God of Israel. See, like I, I actually think it's far more likely that God lied than didn't lie to Moses, just because I don't, I can't wrap my mind around. If I'm going to believe in, all right, you call him Jehovah, the Jews like Yahweh. I mean, the Muslims like Allah. Christians like God, everybody's got their own little nickname for him. <clears throat> if he existed in story before the stories where he said he only existed, then do his previous... How don't the previous stories featuring him prove his like new solo shtick completely false? You know, like to look at it from a historical aspect. Um, if we were analyzing God as if he were a man, as opposed to God, the all-powerful, you know, uh, I, I find it, I, I don't see how you could have stories about you 
for for thousands of like a long ass time, thousands of years, people were talking about you. You know, like like generation and generation of people all like, oh yeah, Yahweh, he's got like he's got nothing. Let's talk about Aries for a bit or Aphrodite, and then all all of a sudden. It's like, oh, all those other punks who you were obsessed with, you know, they, they weren't real. I was the only one. If that were a man, would you believe him? I guess the question would be is, is did he not exist or did he disappear or leave for a while and come back? Like, um, it's actually easy for, typically easy for, uh, an LDS person to believe something along those lines because it's a very similar story to our beginnings. I'll take this as an example. Maybe you can kick in parallel to what you're talking about. Where we believe that when Jesus Christ came and, and did his thing, he established the church. Right? So he established the church of Jesus Christ. And he had different foundations to his, his church. You know, um, Prophets, Revelation, the Word of God, etc., etc. And when he died, he left that church in the hands of men who were very small in number and didn't know what they were doing. And eventually, the church that he established was destroyed. And similar, you know, then then just these other churches popped up, and they kind of decided to say, oh, well, we believe this, we interpret it this way, that way, and things became distorted, and like you said, they gave a telephone, and then for, you know, a couple of thousand years, or, uh, you know, 17, 1800 years after Christ died, you know, there was just, we call it, um, it's called apostasy, where that wasn't around, the actual truth, the actual church, until then, what our belief would be is that Christ came and visited our first prophet. And this is the beginning of the doctrine that I'm kind of jumping a bunch of chapters ahead. So sorry if you're like, what are you talking about? Um, then, you know, then, then the Church of Jesus Christ is reorganized in the latter days, we call it, or in this time. Um, and the truth that was lost was restored. And I say it could parallel because maybe that's kind of what happened in that sense where you're saying, well, where the heck was Yahweh when he had these stories about him and all of a sudden he appears? Maybe he just was like, I'm not going to deal with those people down there right now. I'm just going to figure it out. And then when they're ready, I'll come back in the, in the picture. That makes sense. Or, or even, I mean, just to throw any sort of possibility out there, maybe the other gods. I always, I've always, I. My religious beliefs are just that, the thing that I think is most likely from the information that I've seen, but I'm not nearly so audacious to think that it's the truth, you know? It's just my best guess, which I know is wrong. But uh, I've always felt like if, if God is real, Jehovah is real, he straight murked those other gods, you know? Him and the Jews did some sort of something where... He was like, bitch, you're not going to put me in any important stories? I'll fucking show you, motherfuckers, you know? Like the way Donald Trump's destroying the NFL when he tried, like, because he's mad that he tried to get into a team and they all didn't want to deal with his ass. So, it's... Well, think, think about, um, think about the uh, Greek 
gods for a second. Who's their all-powerful? I think it's Greek. It's Zeus. Yeah, Zeus. And Zeus has a son, right? Yeah, he had, he had all sorts of kids, if I remember correctly, and they were all banging each other, too. Yeah, I think he had one in particular, like his favorite one, or like his whatever. The Hercules, right? But what was the difference between, between Hercules and his other kids? Went, and uh, Hercules was like a mortal, right? He was half man, half god. Where'd that story come from? And doesn't that parallel pretty closely to um, Christians' believe what happened with Jesus and God and the Virgin Mary and how he's the son of God but the, also the son of, of a human. So, like, did, how did that story come to the, to the Greeks? Why did that parallel so closely to God and Jesus and Zeus and Hercules? How did that come about? Well, I mean, okay, I'm not saying this is what happened, but if I was... To, from a con man's perspective, I would say that some people wanted to create a religion out of a... Now, this isn't... And again, I'm not saying this is what I believe to be the truth. I'm just throwing... I believe that it's insane to not look at this as a possibility, however. And a bunch of shady people wanted to take advantage... You know, people are still... Jesus was so goddamn charismatic, people were still talking about him. So what's the best way to control that? Create the religion around him and dictate it to your own beliefs. So con men are like, all right, we need something for this Jesus guy that's really going to blow people out of the water because we're writing this book like a 100 years later and everybody just... You know, they remember Jesus. They don't know of Jesus. It's just a, a myth, a legend at this point. So let's take a little bit of this Hinduism they've never heard of. Let's take a little bit of this belief that they've never heard of. Let's put it all together into a story. And like sort of like the, the Sci-Fi Channel does with a lot of their movies, they just threw a bunch of random story elements together from successful things, and then was like, oh, we got a winner here. And, uh, you know, they did. But I feel like if I was trying to create a religion off of a guy who was costing me money, the first thing I would do is take stuff that has been proven to work from other religions, and I would take those, like, religions far from another like from another region that's never going to I'm, i don't care about and if you look at it primarily hindu areas don't really buy into christianity as much as other areas that hinduism hasn't touched because hinduism's older and the i forget the name of the the mofo but there's some dude whose story is uh eerily creepily similar to Jesus. Now, I, I believe Jesus was a man. I believe he was actually, you know, gifted with powers from God in the same way I believe Rasputin was. However, uh, I think the religion itself has always been bullshit. I just think it's people taking advantage of people taking advantage of a smart situation, you know? I mean, it's, it's if opportunity knocks, 
if I was a soulless businessman, if I was Harvey Weinstein, I'd be remiss to not take advantage of a guy like Jesus or a myth like Jesus, either or, depending on if I lived in his time or a hundred years after when they started writing the Bible. But I don't know if that con man's perspective gives you any sort of... No, oh, sure. And, and I, I guess, guess the two question, question is, is uh, typically, and I'm, I'm sure, sure there's instances where I'm, where I'm wrong, but like typically con men get outed. Men get uh, found out for who they truly are, and they fall apart. You know, a la Bernie Madoff. Yeah, but so, that, that's like saying, oh, every murderer gets caught. Like, for every murderer you hear of on death row, how many murderers are, are like, have gone free? So, I mean, sure, I'll, I'll do a lot of con men get caught. Absolutely. But I think our Senate is, or, or Wall Street, is proof that not all con men do. Sure, sure, sure. absolutely. Absolutely. I, I guess, guess I just wonder, wonder, I mean, would, would a story, I guess maybe if a story was made up or, or uh, told so long ago that you can't go and confirm the, uh, the actual events, it just lives on in myth. Um, so, right, like, obviously made up, like, like was, if, they, if we had the technology we do now to come down day... Would his story, would he be able to A, and would it be believed, and B, would he have the same fate that he did back then? I, I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, would his story hold up, and would his personality hold up, and would he still be able to gain followers? I think it depends more on the man, on the man than the God, you know? I mean, if, if Jesus was half man, half God, I feel as if, you know, God took a, a, like, charismatic... There's a reason why they put these Jewish men in these, like, roles like Jimmy Kimmel or Jon Stewart have, where they pacify and use their charisma to, like, get people to follow them. It's because, like, a, yeah. a charming Jew who's got, like, jokes and good analogies, like, people fucking eat that shit up. So, you know... It was partly the man, and if, if Jesus were to come back today, Jesus Christ Himself, I feel, I feel William Wallace would be an excellent general, regardless of the era that he had lived, and I feel uh -huh. Jesus Christ would have been an excellent preacher, regardless of the era in which he had lived, and I think he'd be less likely to be killed with social media than. You know, back in the olden days where, I mean, it's easy to kill someone now. It was easier back then. Sure. I, I guess, guess you have your, your consequences. consequences. It's, it's easier to kill, kill someone, someone, but right, I mean, shoot, even, even like in the, the Wild West, West you're just hanging people left and right just because it pissed you off, off, right? And you get away with it. Now it's just harder to get away, I guess. Oh, you have to have a lot more reason, I guess, to kill someone today. Or, I mean... Um, not, not to, to kill, kill someone, someone, but to actually, like, have a government-backed killing. Be on death row for a long time, say. He wasn't just, you know, hung. Now, let, let me ask you this, because we got on an interesting line of thought. Would you, if somehow 
you were, and I don't know how you would be able to do this. So let's let this is hypothetical situation. We don't need to argue the logistics. But if you were somehow using history and you know God's own doctrine, able to prove God a liar, would you still worship Him at all? I guess I would you still worship him should have been the end of the sentence, but I had like an autistic thing going on and I didn't use my inflection um, properly. God would be a liar. God made us in him in his image and we're we're definitely liars. So, so it, it stands to reason God's a liar. Uh depends on what the, the definition of of images. Um, <laughs> That's true, too. If we're talking about the image of this, you know, does this, this God then have in himself a, a body? You know, is he the form of a man or a woman or a human being? And then with that, the traits of human beings um, well, if you are being susceptible. If you look at his original stories, like, then yes. Like, if you look at Jehovah, the origin story, you know, then yeah, he, he, just like the other Greek gods and all of them, he had a body and liked to stick his dick in things and drink wine and shit. I mean, Jesus turned water to wine, you know? It's holdover. No, I mean, those I would, those days. The, that's, that's, that's something, something that's, that's also, you know, sets a lot of um, most Christian religions apart from. The LDS, LDS faith is where we actually believe that God and Jesus Christ, God had, has, and Jesus Christ has to this day a, a body, flesh, and bone, just like us. So well, I would believe that for sure. Um, and but I also believe that, you know, if we were built in His image, those things came with us, you know, um, I believe that obviously you can improve and better yourself, like, you know, I could be um, day, and if I realized, man, this sucks, I don't want to do crack anymore, I'm going to try to get off the sauce and go find help, guess what, I just got better. And just like today, and if I'm just me now, and I can be a better husband, I can be a better uh, employee, I can be a better father, and I improve myself, and if, if I keep improving myself day by day, then I can overcome those human traits that are really... Um, kind of hard and, 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 you know, make your life more difficult. So, um, I think when we're talking about we can overcome those things. I'm sorry to interrupt, but did you call crack the sauce? Mixing up my, my drug terms there, Brian. I'm not, you know, I'm not very well versed in these things. You really are the whitest person in drafting the hell. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's <laughs> crack sauce. That's gonna be that's gonna be something one of these days. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna invent it now. I'll figure out a way how to make. Oh, the crack sauce! sauce. Yeah. yeah, just put it on your salad, crackheads. Yeah, just sprinkle it on there. But it, it, it so so um, your belief is that Jesus had the body of flesh and blood. Yes. But sure. Yeah, but, man. But, but God was a, is he a spirit? Like, what is God then? I believe that if, if we were built, if we were made in His image, then I'm, I'm I take that to a pretty literal sense where 
I believe that he has a body of flesh and bone and that he's, you know, somewhere in this universe just doing his thing. And uh, as Jesus, too, came to the earth, you know, and was came down in the image of God, you know, um, I don't think that they would just all of a sudden become uh, an invisible form that we can't see, feel, hear, or touch. Um, but that they work through, you know, power that they're able to use to create and to things happen. I think that's more believable than just saying, yeah, there's this, there's this God that's somewhere. He's in us. He's around us. He's inside us. He's outside of us. He's, he's in the air. He's in the water. He's in the, in the, the stars. Like, just this thing. Like, I mean, gosh, all throughout the Bible, or at least in, in you know, in the New Testament with Jesus, they, they refer to him as his father. Says my father all all throughout. He, he refers to him in a tremendous amount of examples to that. So like, why would I all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to distort what the meaning of the word father is and turn it into some amorphous being? Like that's just I don't know. I I maybe it's just a, a comfort, but it seems to make a lot more sense for me to picture God as a in the form of a human or in the form of what I would think him to be. Like Jesus versus just this entity that I can't see, touch, or feel. That makes sense. So he, he's a. If he's a flesh and bone, and like, would you say that even if they don't have the desire in their heart because they're in a committed relationship, and they or they're not in a committed relationship with this person? Like, between you and me and the entire world that we're putting this on the internet, like, if you see a gorgeous 20-year-old girl, is there zero part of your brain that's like, bend over, baby, daddy's going to town? Um, I... I don't think that. <laughs> well, I'm uh, raising my own thoughts, you know. So, so, so that's that's, a, that's the, the, the Brian Zeldin version. My version would be like, "Wow, that's, that's a pretty girl." But you got a nice. But you would you would that noticing of her nice body would be different than noticing Terry Crews walking without a shirt. Oh, I would never notice, notice Terry Crews walking without a shirt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would definitely notice both those things. But what I'm saying is the. Uh, the, the way that you notice those two things is different. I mean, there's sexual desire that you have to fight away. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, yeah, that, that's, that, like for someone who's, who's, uh, who's at least LDS, or to be religious, right, a huge part of his life is overcoming those, um, I mean, for lack of a better term, because I don't want to put this on, on you, I'm just as a sometimes destructive thoughts or thoughts that can keep you from. Oh, they're completely destructive. Causing, think, yeah, it's, it makes it so that your part of this life is to overcome those those temptations, if you will, those thoughts and those feelings, to then um, to come to a point where yeah, you don't have them. I mean, it, 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 it takes a lifetime. For sure, and um, but that's my ultimate goal, right? Is to not have those lots of feelings. So that number one, I'm completely faithful to my wife, 
and to our relationship, and I'm working on that relationship, not seeking it elsewhere. And number two, I'm just not occupying my my mind and my thoughts and my time with things that really aren't of benefit to me. Okay, well, <clears throat> would you, God, in his entirety of existence then, has he ever had to work through that himself, do you think? Or did he just come out, like, originally not wanting any of this stuff? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Christians believe that Jesus Christ was the only perfect man who ever walked the earth, right? Yeah, they, he was faced with those temptations. Was that... So that's what they tell me, yet the ironic thing is they're talking to me while they say it, which obviously disproves it, because those two... No, he was saying that he, if he was the only perfect man to walk the face of the earth, and that's who we're supposed to strive to be like, I mean, that's a really, really, really high bar. One that you're never going to be able to obtain in this life. No one is ever going to be perfect. I mean, every day you do stuff, it's like, oh, well, oh, screwed up there. Oh, yeah, I should have thought that. I should have done that. Like, you're just not going to obtain that in this life. Oh, you know, but there's a reason that why Jesus was Jesus and you're Brian and I'm Trevor, you know, we're just not meant to be that level, but that doesn't mean you can strive to be better like that, even though you're going to, you know, obviously fail time and time again. Well, I guess if, you fa if you're striving to be like uh, Jesus, you probably would fail, but if you are... Uh, oh. If you strive to be yourself, then you'll always succeed. That's, uh, that's, that's a, a good, good spin. spin. I, I mean, that's more philosophy than religion, but... Sure. But I mean, even like, if you look at his life as a philosophy, right? Of, you know, do good, be good, treat people kindly with love, and, um, oh, to, you know, just be a good person. I mean, that's a philosophy, too, right? So, so I can, I can if, if I'm going to try to be myself, I, it's just like you got to have, I guess, examples of people that you want to try to emulate, and then become that version of yourself that you want to become. Maybe uh, as them as your guide. And so it's like I don't know. I, if I'm going to pick someone to emulate, that's why I'd like to pick. Every time I've tried yeah. emulating him, I've always regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me give, give me some more information on that. Like any time when I go, I'll treat a person like they're a real human being and I go out of my way to like show them love and compassion and respect and empathy and help them learn and grow, I waste a bunch of my time and or money and like wasted like a bunch of opportunities for them to buy me dinners and get oral. So, you know... <laughs> And, and they're never better off. They still do the same stupid shit that they were doing. So I, I've personally found I, this might sound terrible, but the only true regrets I have are like treating people the way that Christian society and Christ would encourage me to treat them. Well, um, I mean, you're not yeah. a person to me, Trevor. You're just a chess piece in my like game to become an entertainer. If I have to help out a whole bunch of Mormons along the way, like, that's great. But, like, I don't really know any people who are people to me anymore. And I feel like whenever I am, I treat people like they are people. 
I don't help them anymore, but when I treat people like they're objects, I seem to leave their lives better than when I found them. So, I mean, like, I don't think I'm doing you a service looking at you like you're a person. I'm probably doing you a favor looking at you like you're not a person. But that's that's how I look at things nowadays. Yeah. Um, I guess the antithesis of Jesus. Yeah, that was definitely uh, <laughs> um, not what he would, I guess, um, preach. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, our survival instincts kick in, right? And you're like, probably thinking, I've got this goal, and I've tried to get there by other means, and it just hasn't working out. So i got to do it my own way. And, you know. That's very astute. That is, that is exactly what has gone through my head. So, but why would God um, show me that if, you know, why would God make that my experience to like make me purposely not have faith in his own good? Because I think God exists. He's just a prick. And like, I, I think human <laughs> beings are pieces of shit, which probably should be exterminated. Or either that or spread into the stars if we can like, you know, maybe regulate our chemicals in our brain through technology uh, you know um, have you ever asked God what his plan is for you maybe you're not on the right plan that he had for you um, well, I'm going to sound like a crazy person here I was 15 right sitting on my couch back in my parents house and then all of a sudden I'm in this white room that isn't a room at all. But like, I feel like I'm enclosed, but I don't see any sort of walls or floor or ceiling. Sure. It's almost as if I'm floating. And this, this booming voice, which I've heard in the back of my head a number, maybe four or five times in my life in general, only once before that point, which just tells me things about like people or scenarios, which that information gives me a huge leg up. I call it my God voice. Atheists call it instinct. I don't know what uh-huh. I don't know what it really is. But anyway, this voice comes at me and says, "I made you an insane psychopath who only cares about threesomes for a reason. Because if we don't figure out a way to combine, you'll never settle down if you like, you know, if, unless you're obsessed with lesbians and." Uh, I need human beings figuring out ways to combine the brain with computing to regulate the chemicals in the brain so people can stop being such sinning animals because otherwise it's not going to fucking work. So I don't know if it was like I ate too much acid the year before, but God told me his plan for me, and that's to be a self-hating, threesome-obsessed man who's chasing money to create cyborgs. So I mean, I should probably be institutionalized. <laughs> um, but that's that's um, what happened. I mean, you asked. I didn't bring it up. <laughs> I was trying to avoid it, actually. But. Um, I mean, no. It's, what's what's interesting, interesting, right, is like, like I guess just, just these experiences that people have, I mean, 
um, dreams and, and, and experiences and just weird stuff that happens. People, we all have those strange things. You can't really explain and understand where it came from, but you can't deny that it happened either, right? And I'm sure that you can't. That didn't happen to me. I was dreaming that, or I was in some state of mind that wasn't right. Or, but to you, that was real. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I think that when the time comes that this life is over. And if we believe in some form of a judgment, right, where we decide, you know, how do we perform on this life, it's going to be an extremely personal and individual type of a experience to sit down in front of God or the Almighty and kind of take an account of what you did, how close that aligns with what you were supposed to do. Well, you know what's funny is like... That vision, why I don't settle down and why I just keep <laughs> plowing women. Because, like, uh, I mean, hey, I've never, I've never, like, been with a woman who was like, oh, wow, you're the only woman I want to be with. Like, I've met some lesbians I like more than others, and that's a whole other topic I don't feel like getting into. <laughs> but I will say that, I mean... If God is real and God is in control of everything, then he either knew I was going to have that weird sort of <laughs> flashback hallucination or or that's what he really said to me. So, okay, let me ask you, would it be possible that God would send somebody on a sinning path in order to fulfill some sort of long-term agenda that he sees fit for his planet? Ooh. Ooh. I could yeah. your God, the same God that you worship, have said to me what I said happened in my, uh, in my whatever it was, going to another place, hallucination, dream, whatever you want to call it. Is that possible? I... I think a lot is possible, and I think that if, let's say for instance that like, you know, you got a commandment, thou shalt not kill, um, however, you've got a man such as Adolf Hitler, who if he continues down the path that he's going, going to destroy this earth, and he needs to be killed, I don't see would it be something that should happen. If you're talking about a path, like just a, a, a lifetime of that, I think a lot of times, you know, you can see where someone was, was living a life in a certain way, and without having lived that life, they wouldn't have experienced some, some change that turned them into, you know, quote-unquote believer or a better person because they walked down a path. That was, you know, one of, you know, what you like would say, you know, be sin. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it's possible. Whether or not it's his, it's that path that he chose or that they chose themselves and then, then God kind of intervened. I don't know. That's something to, to think about. Well, I, I, I can hear you've got, a, you know, your own personal heaven encroaching in on this. 
So I'm going to no, go. No, I'm, 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 uh, I'm still, still at my work, work and there's a wedding at the golf course right, right now and all these kids are running around. Oh. Okay, yeah. never mind. I mean, I don't care if they're in the background. I, I just didn't want to keep you. I, mean, I, just, I, don't, I don't care about them. them. Okay, good. As long as you don't care about those kids. Okay, let me, let, so you would say then it's possible that God sometimes puts certain tempered men in certain situations in order to kill evil men? And to wipe them off this planet so they stop spreading their evil. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, uh, I would prescribe, I would prescribe that that thought. So, sure. if it's possible that God has these righteous killings, even though Thou shalt not kill, is it possible that I'm doing like a a, a holy or a righteous Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife? and then the other neighbor's wife across the street at the same time? I mean, is that possible? Could I be having holy threesomes if I could have a holy killing? I would, oh gosh. And if not, what differentiates the sins? That's, oh man. Um, I would say there is a difference. Uh, um, <sighs> question. Because I sit here and I say, um, no, that's that's not that's wrong. You had this experience where you were in this white room and someone told you this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I guess what if what you do causes someone else. About this, let me think about this, Brian. <laughs> I love that. Not something you can just like come up with an answer off the top of your head, you know? Like this is just a on the fly kind of a response here. I would say, okay, okay, let's say a using the righteous man, right, or uh -huh. kill to, to, in order for God's um, His will to continue. He's going to put someone in the Right, so that um, his work isn't frustrated or whatever. I guess would be is what would the purpose be in your in to commit adultery? You know, by the law of, of uh, you know, religious law or even I guess common law would be to commit adultery, cheat on their husband or girlfriend, I guess, or wife. In case of you and your, oh, I don't your, like to cheat as lesbian. They're like the only things that I treat like they are human occasionally. Like, I prefer to be with both of them. So, like, cheating heterosexual women, though, sure. So, so you would never cheat on a lesbian who's in a relationship with a lesbian. You'd prefer to have them both join. Yeah, I mean, never say never, but, like, I, I'm much more like... I'm much more likely to be like turned off sexually by their amorality if they're a lesbian, whereas if they're heterosexual, I'm turned on by the amorality. Interesting person, to say the least. Um, so I guess what's the purpose, right? What's the uh, why would then you be called to uh, cause a woman to cheat on her husband, have a, a marriage, go? 
south and you know possible divorce you possibly getting killed by a man who finds out his wife is cheating on you i guess what would be the end goal and purpose and all that except for maybe the wife is getting beaten and she's got to get out of a relationship and she can't and you step in and you save her because you have sex with her and that has happened. I have done that several times. And like gotten them, I, I don't just have sex with them and send them back to the abuse. Like I offer them, I get them set up away from the abuse, you know? Someone who's, I guess, getting in the way of, of God's work. Well, what? But I am not God, and I cannot say with certainty that one thing is okay and the other isn't. So let me, let me propose a situation to you, right? I, I knew this one girl in particular. And I'm not going to say her name or say anything too specific, but her relationship was crumbling. Uh, she'd been with this guy forever. They were on the verge of marriage and a verge of like a really godly, loving, good life, like good people living good life, being good Christian type of people, you know? And she was letting society get the best of her. She was letting her missing her youth get the best of her. Nostalgia makes things a lot more attractive than what they really were. But I'll tell you what, Trevor, this feeling that would have like eventually led to, if she would have gotten into the marriage feeling this way, it would have been an unhealthy marriage. She would have been abusing drugs and alcohol. She's had a problem with pills in the past. I know that would have popped up because she would have doubted it. One night with me, Oh man, I mean, she might have had fun, but then afterwards came the realization, is this how I want to get treated the rest of my life? Like just thrown away and abused and used? And like, yeah, it's a, it's a fun kick, but that's not really fulfilling. You might want to ride a roller coaster, but you eventually get off. And, uh, and she did get off. But, <laughs> sorry. Two meanings to that, yeah. please? I'm sorry. Sorry I didn't do it earlier. But uh, I feel as if that relationship is a good relationship. Their children have loving, God-fearing, happy parents because I stuck it to her. And if I had never stuck it to her, someone way more destructive, someone who would have like, tried to feed her cocaine because they were like, a like, I'm a predatory type. I notice certain things about people. And occasionally when I have feelings for a person, like I feel guilty using my predatory knowledge. And then that's why I say I, I can't be Jesus because I don't get that mindset. I just act like a schmuck. I, I get the predatory mindset, though. And like somebody else who would have had way worse intentions than having something to do on a Wednesday night would have gotten a hold of her, picked up her scent, and destroyed her and that family as opposed to someone who basically just gave her ass a reality check. Really, this is what you want, bitch? I'll, okay, I'll give it to you, and then you tell me if this is what you want. And uh, yeah, she, she went back to him. They're happy. Happy. So, like, tell me I didn't do him a favor by fucking her. Um... That's... Where it's like um, down a path that could have destroyed her marriage, and said, 
and there you were, or like not even dead end, right? You were like the gatekeeper. You're not coming down this road, turn right back around and get back on the right path kind of thing. Yeah. Like in my mind, this is the person that I was. Exactly. I, I reminded her what was important, and I did it in the only way which she would listen, because her mom, her friends, her sisters, all saying, you're crazy, you got the perfect man, what are you trying to do, go be a young party girl, don't you realize where you're at in life, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I w yeah, you could say I was the bouncer, essentially, and uh, I threw her ass out. Yeah. Yeah. And I sent her back to her family and back to her man, and they're a better family because of that. And it wasn't that he was a weak man that, like, I had to fuck her. It was just that she, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. And I didn't, I took advantage of that fact for a much shorter amount of time than most people who have my skill set and my senses would have. So, I mean, tell me, was that not for the better? Was that not for the good? Was that, was that like not the, the wham-bam thank you ma'am equivalent of a righteous kill, essentially? <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if you said like in the, um, the perfect world, if she's having marital problems, she turns to her husband and says, this sucks, I'm not happy, I need to fix this, let's fix it, and they work on it together, right? I mean, that's what you would like to see happen. Perfect world, um, absolutely agree. That, that's the right. ideal situation. I mean, yeah, because, you know, you got, you got the school of theory, you got the school of hard knocks, you got you know, whatever other schools are out there, she had to go down path number two, or door number two, which was School of Hard Knocks, and she realized, hopefully with your help, or maybe she realized on her own, I don't want to do this. And so that's how she was going to have to learn, and now she's got a, she's overcome it, she's got a great marriage, she's happy, she's figured it out. You know, great. I, I think, you know, it sucks she had to go through that, but the end result is a happier, stronger, healthier marriage, family, whatever, then, you know, I can't sit here and say that she shouldn't have done that. I think it's too bad it had to go down that path, but I'm really happy for her that things worked out. Yeah, I'm happy for her, too. I'm, I'm glad I could help. But... Uh... <laughs> I'm sure you were very happy about the advice that you gave her. Uh, well, you know, I've found that certain people, right, you can't tell them what to do, but you can create a set of circumstances that enables them to react and realize what they need to do. I mean, manipulation's a fine art, and it's not just saying, oh, hey, here's how you should think and feel, you know? I mean... When I, when I meet a girl, and this might sound terrible, right? Like, I, especially now in my 30s, like, I feel as if even more, like, I don't know if humanity's got any good in it. Every time I do good, it fucks me over. But, like, if anything that makes me more persistent, like, 
come on, there's got to be some instance where being 100% good-hearted, like, works. And I don't have a lot of faith in it, but maybe that's, I, I feel like I want to help these women. If I'm going to be a depraved piece of shit, I want to leave their lives something better. I, something that I feel as if a just God would be like, there you go, that's what I wanted to do. You sent her back on the right path. So I almost have to make like a judgment call, like, is this a night thing? Am I enslaving this chick for like a year and giving her a really good brainwashing program to set her straight? I, you know, is this going to be a month, a week? What do I, how, how am I going to help this person? I almost feel like I'm a sexual psychologist, you know? And it's like, how, how can I help this person by giving them my dick? And it's a symbiotic relationship, because I gotta stick my dick somewhere, and they fucking need some goddamn help. Fucking hopeless broads. But, so so you would agree, then, that it's a possibility that God really did be like, oh, Brian, <laughs> I made you a sleazy pervert. That was my plan. I got, um, it's, a, it's a possibility uh, I'm following God's plan from a religious person. I, I, uh, boy. I mean, I, I would say, I would say, obviously, what I want to say is no. What I want to say is not in the plan, right? Uh huh. I go back to my personal experience. Um, I don't know if it's if it's maybe it's not necessarily God's plan. So God not intervening. You have to maybe like since you're not like oh man this is this is like a philosophy like so many ideas and thoughts can be you can just you know look at seventeen thousand different angles of this thing. Um, I know like going back to where I was in a time where I was. Wouldn't consider myself making the best decisions. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Well, this must be God's plan as to why I'm making these decisions." It was more like, "I'm not doing what I think, what I what I feel and know to be right. Therefore, I'm to me that shouldn't be happening." And then sometimes you get that wake up call, like, "Oh, what am I doing?" Instance. Uh, that could very well have been on that that one side of things. Of, I guess maybe maybe being a little more pragmatic was just like, well, you're not doing what you know is right. You just figured it out, and now you're like, oh boy, I'm gonna lose my marriage, I'm gonna lose my family, my my house, my kids. I better get this figured out. Hence, her going back to being a, a, a wife and a mom and whatnot, fulfilling God's plan for her family straight from that path that she should have been on to realize that. And there's just happened to be Brian Zeldin just open arms, pants down, saying, let me help you figure this out. So, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> <clears throat> it sounds like you think that there, like, could be a possibility in God's wacky plan that he, like, set me on this, like I claim, like, have experienced, but just, like, you don't want to admit that's possible? Maybe out of see that my plan is cooler than yours? Well, your, your, your plan is probably more exciting, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm 
cool is uh, completely subjective. I'm just being a dickhead. Um, probably, like to me, is I don't think that the what that plan A is is what she had to go through. There, but you know, I, I always it's funny because I say life is a lot like those choose your adventure books. Oh yeah, right. You come to like this uh, this this river that's full of crocodiles, and you can swim across, or you can like walk over the, the bridge that's missing all these steps and falling anyways. What are you gonna do? You pick the wrong choice, and you get eaten by crocs, and you got to start all over again. And I don't know. Maybe she just decided to swim across the river instead of take the bridge. But luckily, she can turn the page back a few pages and start over, making the right choice again. Oh, so yeah. Because uh, I mean, I, I, personally, I hate her husband. Like, not because he's a bad guy, just out of like, I don't enjoy him personally. And I never like rubbed it in his face or, and you know, did anything. Did he know? I don't know if he knows. I don't think he knows. But if he does, then they've let it go and they've just moved on. I mean, I've gone out of my way to make sure he doesn't know. So I feel like, you know, that's a feather in my cap. Because <laughs> I, I would love to tell this fucking prick, let me tell you. But, uh, like, when he first pissed me off, I, like, I wanted to fuck her ever since he pissed me off, and then I realized I could help her out by fucking her as I saw the relationship crumble, and that's when I took my, that's when I struck. If you, you, you were, uh, what really fascinates me is how you were telling me how you feel this thing inside of you, that, like, when you were making bad choices, it, it like, awoke in you, like, what am I doing? This is wrong, you know? Because when I'm trolling for blowjobs, when I'm taking advantage of weak-minded people and feeding them with my certain brand of hope, which I know will leave them better off in the end and also turn them into people who want to give me as much steak and oral as humanly possible, I actually call it Brian washing. It's a patent pending. But, you know, I, I feel right when I do that. I feel at ease with myself. I feel comfortable. I feel like I'm at one with the universe. You know, I feel like a yin-yang symbol. Every time in my life, I've tried to... I mean, you'd say you put your wife and your children above yourself, you know, like, like or at least equal to you, right? Like, you're not above your wife and children. And, like, like any time I've ever done that, not only did it feel wrong, but it resulted in, like, me losing face, me losing money, me being humiliated, like, a ton of bad things. So, like, why, why, from a religious man's standpoint, why is it that I feel wrong whenever I do, when I try and do good the way that you would do good? And why is it that I feel right when I just treat people like objects and manipulate them to try and create the most positive set of circumstances for everybody involved? Um... Why did God? Like, why would God do that unless if He wanted me to be that way? Well, I, I maybe one's comfortable, one's uncomfortable. Like the other one, and you have to work on the other one, or maybe 
what you like talked about, like maybe you're kind of like a dark angel in a sense, where if you actually use this ability to set these women straight, like it's like they're already going down the path kind of thing. They're already, their mindset's already like, I need to get this place that I shouldn't go. And like, you know, talk about you're almost like that gatekeeper that says, you know, like, thou shalt not pass. But in the meantime, I'm going to have sex with you and I'm going to send you on your merry way. I guess that's a much better alternative than just this girl walking down the path that's going to lead her to absolute hell. Just make the trip a lot shorter. And in that sense, I obviously, I mean, you're you're completely naive and 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 I would say stupid if someone thinks that you know marriages are perfect and everyone's happy and and the only way to resolve a marriage is by you know, the traditional counseling and sometimes it just doesn't happen. And sometimes like you got to go down that path, unfortunately, if you're that path where you realize, oh man, I had it really good and then I missed that. And maybe, maybe that, and I'm not saying it is, and I'm not trying to like condone it, but maybe that's what you are supposed to do is from going down that path that's a lot darker. So let me ask you this then, right? Like, uh, if we're just playing devil's advocate here, you know, but if God made me this way, right? And then, uh, you know, the afterlife's all about being with your family, so to speak, right? But then the path he put me on is like a solitary existence. What is my afterlife according to your beliefs? Um, like, do I finally get my harem in the sky, like I'm Arab, or um, what do I get? It sounds kind of boring, to be honest. Sit around with nobody. Um, that's a really good question, man. Uh, is there just like a patch on pad in heaven for the dark angels to go hang out in? Relive their glory days while playing darts and pool. I, you know, I, that's again. It's like I don't know what what would your heaven be. I don't think your heaven would be you sitting around singing "Kumbaya" and playing Yahtzee with your your wife and kids. So maybe four or five lesbians. <laughs> and I don't know if there's lesbians in heaven, so... Well, then, then, um, then I'll send me to hell, you know, like you with your family earlier. Hell is your heaven, right? I don't know. Um, I mean, all joking aside, I would say that at some point, you know, you're at different stages in life, right? And there's certain stages where you just want to and not worry about much and or you don't want to settle down or whatever the case could be. And maybe you're going to have an experience where it's like, okay, whoa, I'm in this white room again. And the white room voice is telling me uh, to move on with this stage and, uh, you know, it's going to help me settle down. Maybe oh, she'll just appear. He told me to be stuck with it till the day I die. Is that yeah. like, yeah, or like, I don't know if he said die, but I mean, like he made it clear. Like, I couldn't quote you any of this stuff. That was so long ago. You know, it was like 14, 15. But, I mean, I got the clear impression that this wasn't something that's going away. This, you know, 
condition or whatever you wanted to call it. You know, like, you know, like a guy doesn't stop liking redheads with big tits if he likes redheads with big tits. He doesn't like at a point in his life where he's like, you know what? I think I've outgrown redheads with big tits unless we just got his heart broken too badly and can't deal with it. Well, you know, Brian, I guess I'm just going to be uh, your teacher at the big old uh, schoolhouse in the sky. Well, that's, okay, so that, that brings me on to another thing that was going to go off on a tangent long ago before we got on this, you know, you had to ask me too much about my beliefs. Big mistake. <laughs> Who would really say no to God? You know, like, like you die, <laughs> you're in heaven, and they're like, so this is heaven, this is everything that happened, you want to believe in this shit, or you want us to send you to hell? Who's saying, oh, man, I'm going to hell? So, again, it comes down to just a completely, uh, fundamentally different point of view and understanding of, the, of what we believe to be the afterlife. Mormons don't say it's all or nothing. It's heaven or it's hell. That there's going to be, again, you, know, uh, you can point to some biblical references and some other... Um, to be revelations where it is shown that essentially you're going to end up and end up in more than one of those two places. So where else do you go according to your uh, beliefs? Beliefs. And again, this, is, this is like I said before, this might be like again, not even like chapters deep. We're talking like like the, the third series of the trilogy versus reading the first two books but let's go there all right but we believe again if you're going to believe in a just god you're going to want to believe that uh you go where you're like what you did on this earth where it merits you to go and then it, our belief is that you can, there's essentially going to be um, stages, if you will, of heaven. You've got, you know, um, you're just a, a good person. You didn't do anything wrong, right? You just try to be a good person, be live a good life or whatever. You should be in a certain category or place from like people that are like you know murderers and rapists and just bad people they should like you should belong in a place where you're going to be comfortable not everyone warrants just hanging out in heaven not everyone warrants just hanging out in hell so what about the in between people right like the like we talked about that um african that's never heard of jesus christ should he go banished straight to hell just because he's never heard about jesus christ Christian who, like, was, you know, cheating on his wife. Should he go to hell? Because he said, I accept Jesus, but he does nothing to actually confirm that in, in how he acts. So, um, your place, but, like, there's this got to be, logically, at least I think logically, and what I, maybe because that's what I have been taught, there's got to be a logical place for the in-between, which would be probably just a cool place to hang out, but like you're not with God and you're not with who goes there and 
We, so if you're going to take, so, so the, the basic belief is, in order to go to heaven, you need to be baptized, be a good person, you need to keep the commandments, you know, do what Jesus asked you to do, or at least do your best, knowing that you're not going to be perfect, but you're going to try. And that's going to get you a spot at the table. You don't do those things, whether by ignorance, not knowing that that's what you're supposed to do, or by knowing and not doing them, then you shouldn't probably belong in heaven. You know, if you, if you, like, you don't follow those things, but you're just overall a good person, you're, say you're an atheist, like, I mean, or you're just a non-believer or whatever, and you just don't do those things that you completely have to get, you have to do to get you to heaven, well, I don't think you should go to hell, right? I don't think that's in the plan of a, a just God to say you get it is to learn about these things. Therefore, I banish you to an eternity of fire. So let's figure out a place for these people to go in between. And if you're in between, you never had a chance to accept Jesus, to get baptized, to learn about these things. So let's give you a chance to do that. So I'm there to teach you about it. So you can make a decision if you want to go up to heaven or stay where you are. So people could chill in purgatory, then it wouldn't be like automatic. Just go to hell. Our our outlook on purgatory. Look, our outlook on the afterlife. You die and you don't go to heaven. You die and you go to kind of like a, like a waiting place because we we believe that for you to go to heaven, Jesus has to come back. He's got to resurrect all the other body. You got to get him. You got to get your body back. Just like what he did, and then you're gonna have this final judgment, and the judge is gonna say, Okay, you're going here, you're going there, you're going there, wherever. So the in-between time when people don't haven't been resurrected, like what Jesus did, you're somewhere as like a spirit entity, right? You're hanging out, waiting for this this judgment, and during that time you have an opportunity to learn about Jesus to learn about what's been going on so you can then have a chance to accept him or reject him. So that's why you're like, we're not just in heaven, like you said, like, hey, dude, this is heaven, why would I say no to this place? Because you're not there yet. According to the Mormon belief, you've got to go through that learning process and that waiting period until Christ returns to judgment day. Now, is there any room for reincarnation? in your belief system. Like, does a soul have to stay there in purgatory? Could they come back to Earth? I think that there is room for a form of reincarnation. I mean, this is just a personal belief. I don't think this is, you can find this anywhere in like a doctrinal setting. Um, but I guess, well, a reincarnation of sorts would be, I guess you can believe more in like a, um, eternal progression too, right? Like, who want to, if you figure out, shoot, I screwed up on, on earth, I want to get to heaven, I can make a series, I can just continue to learn, progress and grow after this life has ended, started, you know? It's not just uh, you're you're doomed to whatever level you made it to for the rest of eternity. Um, oh, like I don't know. I, 
don't see it's weird to think about, but um, we believe too that like you know things feel what they were meant to from the earth for the ants and the mosquitoes and the lions and tigers and dogs and you know whatever like what's going to happen to those things? Do they move on to then a next life of a, of a higher being? thing or do they have their own version of heaven and I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody no one if they say they have an answer to that they're probably full of it. But who knows? Maybe you can create something out of they can move on and and, and kind of you know level up per se. I mean that's like what the Buddhists think, you know, is you level up you you, you, know, you start or, or level down, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, remember when you were you crapped all my carpet? Yeah, you're going down to being a cat again. Yeah, uh, it's, um, it's that whole, like, World of Warcraft thing. You die and then you get punished for it. Like, oh, you, you suck? Well, now you're a worm and we took away all your padded armor. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I don't know. And I guess at the end of the day, it's like, there's a lot of things that I believe to be true and to be right, and there's a lot of things that I have no clue on, and one day, hopefully, we'll have a chance to ask those questions and get those answers. Uh, it's been an interesting talk. I yeah. think uh, the whole concept of God works in mysterious ways might have been pushed a little bit. I de you, you outed me as a psychopath or like a... I'm more accurately probably like schizophrenic, but you know, that, I, I've looked into it. I'd have to hear these things regularly to be schizophrenic, since I only went to the white room once and then heard the voice like four times in my life outside of that. No, I can't be schizophrenic. Right, right. By, by, by science's definition, like science fucking knows shit. But uh, I'll say, you know, huh? And you've kind of like, you know, dismissed that as a, as a possibility. I'm sorry, I, dis right. I dismissed what as a possibility. I'm sorry, I, you're cutting out. Being schizophrenic, like oh. you're not, you know that you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I've cut that out, then it's either a bad acid trip, like flashback, or, uh, you know, or a metaphysical thing. And I've eaten a lot of acid, so I mean, that's, that's perfectly plausible. Right. And then, like, you know, if we believe as, as a Christian, and I think a lot of Jews believe this too, like, there's going to be a judgment day, very personal. And you and I can't sit before God and say, judge me just like you judge Brian or vice versa, because our experiences are completely different. And so I think all that's going to be taken into account when that final decision of what your heaven's going to look like uh, is going to end up being uh, in, in my mind. I would have never done most of the heinous things that I've done. I well, probably all of them, but I'm just gonna like play it safe and say most. But I would have never done these heinous things had I not seen whatever the fuck it was sitting on that couch going to that white place. In, in a way, like whatever it was, real or fake, it's completely defined my entire existence. So I, I find it interesting to hear when people such as yourself tell me of that, I mean, not, not to put you into 
sum you up from one experience, but I feel your your equivalent to that was your your sister dying. You know, it's something real, something tangible. And I find it, you know, it, there's a huge disparity of how people react when they can't prove the thing that's the most significant event in their life. It's much more traumatizing to have your wife disappear and no one ever finds her body or hears from her again than it is for her to be like shot in the face. Or I don't know if you would agree with that. Maybe that's me projecting. I, I was I was considering both possibilities as you were saying that, so I'm not sure. Which would you both. go with? <laughs> um, Let's end it on that. Would you rather your wife disappear and no one ever knows what happened? Or, you know, car bomb, IRA, they're back again. It's like that Jackie Chan movie. And she gets. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I guess, you know, I think humans like that, that uh, closure. So you probably want to say, yeah, like if my sister. Like here's a good example, right? If some, if just one day my sister never never came home, right? Uh -huh. And she's gone. Versus, she has she has died, and I and I've seen her. Um, I think it would drive a person insane if they never saw them again and had no idea what happened to them. I think you could definitely go crazy much faster that way. Than being able to move on from death to loved one and confirming that death. And I think that's why uh, you know mental health is much more of a a mystery than physical health at any point. But with, with, with that horrifying, you got any horrible hypotheticals like you want to throw my way to traumatize me a little bit before we sign off? Because I feel as if I hit you twice now. Oh, so what do you do if? scenario that you had that you brought up about the bringing you know um, straightening out the the wandering wife she tells her husband and he shows up on your doorstep with a shotgun yeah i mean what's your first reaction probably yippee ki -yay, motherfucker because i'm kind of an adrenaline junkie i had one woman who i unfortunately wasn't able to help she was trailer trash but I would fuck her in her husband's trailer while he was next door in the trailer next door drinking beer. Like, I'd sneak in through windows and shit. Guy kept a gun on him at all times. Like, I'd hear him while I'd be stuck in his wife. That was... I really hated myself at the time, though. So, like, I, <clears throat> I mean, someone shows up with a gun, I'm going to try and disarm them. They shoot me. I, I've been expecting to get murdered since... As fucking young as I can remember, all I've ever done is piss people off and treat them like objects because it's the only thing that makes sense to me. I mean, I think the fact that I haven't been murdered up to this point is, if anything, more proof that I'm something up above is watching out for me. It confirms the white room thing. It doesn't hurt it because, I mean, it said it was going to watch over me. And, like, I've been in so many sketch situations that I should not have walked away from. And I always seem to not just scrape by, but, like, find the barrel of gold.
gold at the end of the rainbow and get a couple blowjobs along the way. Gold, but, you know, maybe that's, that's a little more apropos anyways. Yeah, I do love my gold. Um, but, I mean, what do I do if he kills me? He kills me, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, I fucking hate myself. Like, if I didn't have people who depended on me, I'm sure I would have shot myself in the head. Or, or actually, I go for I always think of the chest in my head, which I find, I read that women do, which goes towards my trans lesbian argument, because that's another podcast entirely. But, uh, you know, like, oh, well, you know. I fucked more women and smoked more pot and had more laughs than you, motherfucker. And that's probably why you're shooting me. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> I think so, too. Uh, thank you for bearing with us, audience. Um, you obviously really enjoy our content if you're sticking with this. As we're figuring out logistically how all of this is going to run in the future as... We have more and more shows popping up. Trevor, thank you for your time. I'm sure you enjoyed not working. You know, at your job. You basically got paid for this. Meanwhile, I'm the one who has to go do all the editing for no money. So, uh, you know, congratulations there. You're definitely <laughs> the Jew in this scenario. Well, I'm the fucking Mormon. Wonderful. And, um... Yeah, I appreciate the enlightenment and the hard work, and at least you're going to get to refine your editing skills, which is more than what I can say, because I'm going to go just make another meme at some point tonight. <laughs> uh, just don't use the picture of me and the Speedos. There have been enough memes of that. <laughs> I haven't seen those yet. You have to uh, show me. Are you... I, I won't show you, but if you dig through my Facebook, I'm sure you'll find them. Okay, uh, I will. I Actually, will, yeah. I, I might have got rid of them when I was trying to be a guardian ad litem, but of course, like every other nice thing I've ever tried to do, that blew up in my fucking face. But, uh, alright, so I'll, I'll bitch about that another time. Sorry, audience. You don't get to hear that story. Suck it. Trevor, have a great night. This is... Hey. Brian Zeldin for Trevor Heaney signing off, drafting the hill, audio cast number four. <laughs>